Sup, Freaks, it's your boy Marty here to introduce this rip of TFTC. We had Lord Miles in the studio, fresh off his trip to Kenyan Sudan. A lot of interesting stories out of this one. Have you ever gotten arrested, sent to a Kenyan prison, then escaped by getting the guard drunk? Getting somebody to get your passport back? I don't think so. Lord Miles has. A very fascinating young man. An adventurer. I need to adventure more, Logan. I need to get out there. Before we get into the ad rips, if you guys are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it, give us a rate, a review, subscribe. Helps the show. If you're listening via Podcasting 2.0 app, like Fountain, Podverse, Sphinx, Whatever it may be, thank you for contributing streaming sats. We like the podcasting 2.0 model. We like to transition to it fully at some point in the future. If you're listening, give us a boost. Spread the word. Trying to blow this thing up even more. Taking it to the next level. This rip is brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital to write down the hall here at the Bitcoin Commons in Austin, Texas. And they now have a trading platform. If you want the most secure way to buy Bitcoin, the most carefree way to buy Bitcoin, a way to buy Bitcoin with peace of mind, Unchained has a trading desk for you. You go to unchained.com slash trading. You buy Bitcoin. Instead of it sitting on an exchange and you have to worry about getting it off the exchange, you buy it and go straight to two or three multi-sig cold storage. You set up a vault with Unchain, a two or three multi-sig. You hold two keys, Unchain holds one. You always have control of your UTXOs as long as you have your two keys. It's a beautiful thing. It's a seamless process. I've used it personally for businesses. It works. Go to unchain.com slash trading. It's available, I believe, in 36 or 37 states right now. They're adding new states. It seems every week Connecticut was the most recent. So before you engage in the trading desk, make sure it's available in your state. Go to unchain.com slash trading. Talk to their trading team. They'll walk you through the process. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. I was up in, or excuse me, down in Houston last night using the, the Brains Insights dashboard just to highlight to people the precariousness of the mining industry. If you're mining at 10 cents a kilowatt hour, you're all in electricity cost. There's only one miner with stock firmware that's profitable. It's the S19 XP. But if you're running Brains OS Plus firmware on an S19 Pro, you're also profitable at 10 cents. This highlights the importance of this firmware. If you have an ASIC that's compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you're leaving sats on the table, putting your business at risk. It's imperative. Idiot proof your mining operation by downloading Brains OS Plus firmware. It's going to allow you to stack more sats in this mining environment. It's, it's very important to stack as many sats as possible. Go to brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Check out everything, insights, the firmware, the blog, Brains Pool, everything. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle, Cap Hoddle Capital. That's not what they're called. They're called Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you a lending platform. It's peer-to-peer, -peer, no KYC, no AML, and leverages Bitcoin's 
native multi-sig properties on top of that. It's got lower rates than many of the lending platforms out there. What you do is you put your Bitcoin up in a two or three multi-sig escrow account. You hold one key, your counterparty in the loan holds one key, and HODL HODL holds the third key. Since you have that one key, you have visibility into the collateral escrow account throughout the duration of the loan so that you know that your SATs are not being rehypothecated. so that if you're paying your loan back plus the interest, you're going to get your SATs back at the end of the day. Put Bitcoin up as collateral, you get stable coins, and you pay it back. If you have stable coins laying around and you want to get yield on them, you enter the other pl- uh, side of this marketplace, put them up to be lent out with an interest rate attached to them. Uh, you have one key in that two or three multi-sig escrow account. So if your counterparty is not paying back the loan, you know you're going to get some of those sats back at the end of the day to make you whole. Go to lend.hodlhodl.com. Check this out. No KYC, no AML, peer-to-peer, lower rates. It's a beautiful thing. Last but not least, this trip was brought to you by our good friends at CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is here to help you take sovereignty over your health care. The incumbent health insurance industry is very opaque. It's very expensive, and it's got bad incentives. The way the healthcare system with health insurance is set up, people are incentivized to jack the prices up on you. When you join CrowdHealth, when you become a CrowdHealth member, you pay a monthly fee that goes to a dedicated account that you control. You can always take the money out of that account if you decide to leave CrowdHealth. Uh, if you ever have a medical event, you need to go to the doctor. You tell CrowdHealth, you say, hey, I'm going to the doctor. They say, all right. When you go to the doctor, come back, bring us the bill. You, know, you bring CrowdHealth the bill, they go to the doctor, they negotiate the price lower for you. This works because the doctors, at the end of the day, know they're going to get cash immediately, which is what they like. They don't like the delays, the N45, the N90, whatever. They're going to get paid out in cash immediately. They don't have to go through all the administration, administrative BS that comes with the health insurance industry. Uh, when you have your medical bill, you pay the first $500 from your account that you're building up over time, month in and month out. And then uh, it goes out to the crowd health community and you crowdsource your health care. They've had 100% of bills paid up to this point. Can't guarantee it, but the model seems to be working very well. You have a personal health advocate going to walk you through the process as well and advocate for you. And then on top of that, they have a Bitcoin community where you pay your monthly fee and a portion of that goes into that Cuckbuck bank account and another portion goes into Bitcoin that you hold alongside that cash account uh, so you can speculative attack your future healthcare cost. Bitcoin continues doing what it has done historically. If you use the code TFTC, go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC. Use the code TFTC at checkout. The first thousand members of the Bitcoin community are, get, are going to get $99 a month for the first six months. Take sovereignty over your healthcare. Don't forget to subscribe to the pod, rate, review, participate in podcasting 2.0. We're going to change the world, freaks. Sticky! You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Business, business, business. A lot of business going on right now. As long as it brings a little bit of money and we don't die, so it's a good start. Oh. 
it's rich coming from you. You put yourself in a lot of situations it's, where it's safe in London and New York anyway. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting yourself. I, I feel safe in Afghanistan. You know, it's just, it's just, it's fine. One of the few uh, outsiders. I can't yeah, speak true. for the people of Afghanistan. I don't think there's been any outsiders. I've gone to the specific area I have been in, like for the last year or two. It's bizarre. No. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of moving cogs. Um, I think we should start with talking about the um, me hey. coming back from Kenya and South Sudan. That should be work. That should uh, work. I'm running this interview, sir. Okay, we're gonna get to all of that business. How's it feel to be stateside in Texas? It's not too bad. I like Texas more. I think um, Texas should be its own country. To be honest, I kind of like the idea of succession. I was telling you yesterday. It's. I mean, it's one of the. You're not supposed to say it out loud. Yeah. Like when when is Texas going to secede? Is like the the Voldemort of of the Republic of Texas. Really, you don't say it. Oh, it's just a bunch of Californians trying to keep the true Americans down. Really, no, it's just like here in Texas, they're like, yeah, we it's in the back of our mind. We're gonna do it one day. You just can't let them know it's happening. <laughs> Someday, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've been privy to the trend here in the states in recent years with all the COVID bullshit, but there's been a big trend of individual states reasserting their rights and saying. Hey, we're yeah, not going to listen to the federal this. government. Yeah, this COVID thing, I've heard of it, yeah. Uh, yeah have you? Yeah. yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. To be honest... Um, the pandemic's over, but it's not I, over, so, according to Joe Biden. So true. I, I don't think it's ever going to be over until I give away all my rights, you know? But um, we, at least with COVID, I, I, I was listening to the whole thing for two weeks, and I was thinking, oh, you know, this could be the end of the world. And then after two weeks, I was like, this is nonsense. I just, I just never followed a single rule. And if I had to follow a rule, like going on a plane and wearing a mask, I would go out my way and spend a ton of money on lollipops just so I can have it in my mouth and say, I can't wear a mask I'm eating and drink the same bottle of water very slowly. So every time they walk past, I don't need a mask on. Yeah, I was a big coffee cup guy during that time. Oh, very good, very good. Just a, a paper coffee cup nobody yeah. can see in it. Exactly. Like um, I've got a few of my followers saying, oh, to come to the US, you need a vaccine still. Moles must be vaccinated, and I'm guessing you've heard of this trick, but I've heard of some individuals who have flown to Kenya or you know, one of these East African nations, paid a doctor $20 to give you a vaccine, and then from that, well, you know, they send it back home, and it's officially on paper, so they are ma mandated, uh, and they do have the vaccine, on paper at least. But I wouldn't do something like that. That's that's uh, a bit too risky. Yeah, that's... Yeah. It's not... Playing it by the books, Miles. Yeah, of course. I, I love a vaccine. I like Fauci. I, I just love these experiments. Don't on me. It's amazing. Hey, he's the arbiter of science. You got to trust him. So true. We're trusting the science here. Science is my favorite religion. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it's crazy. And they're still pushing it. There was like a tweet that Biden sent out last night. Like, yeah. just got my annual COVID top up. Oh, really? And like Fauci and some other dude are like giving me a thumbs up and a fake FaceTime. Yeah, it's very creepy. That's what yeah. I say. It's all so creepy. Everyone outside of the US, in, especially in Europe, think that Joe Biden does have dementia. I mean, he, everybody, he, does. he does, yeah. Everybody in the US thinks it. Uh, some parts of the yeah. country don't want to admit it, but it's blatantly obvious. Yeah, I just, he's running the country in the ground. I've just seen the news and I'm thinking, wow, the US would overthrow the presidents, you know, back in the day. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give too much flack to Joe Biden even though he deserves all of it, but the U.S. has been on a downward trajectory. Again, like we were discussing, the 
The U.S. federal government is the largest government to ever exist on the planet. And that is a trend that has been developing for decades now, I would argue. I was kind of thinking of the U.S. sides downfall with the 1965 um, Immigration Act, but, you know, I think that's a bit too edgy for most people. Yeah, I mean, it certainly contribute to it. I haven't I haven't dug deep into the 1965 Immigration Act, oh, but I'm, I'm just autistic as hell, so I just go through this stuff. <laughs> I, I just find some schizophrenic posts on some niche social media, and I go, "Wow, so true!" And that's how I form my personality. You know, I only listen to certain pieces of media. I don't form my own opinions. I just steal others. And I think it's more of the money. That's why this is the Bitcoin podcast. That's why we focus on Bitcoin. We yeah. separated church and state. Separated speech and state, which doesn't seem to be the case right now. They seem to be merging uh, with all the censorship going on. But at one point, we had speech and state separated. And arguably, I mean, church and state is very important. Money and state is what we need to separate next. That's what Bitcoin does. Oh, yeah. So I think a lot, of, going back to what we were discussing, a lot of the problems that exist today emanate from the fact that we fucked up the money and it's a state controlled money using central banks as a proxy. The Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve have essentially merged into one, and they have admitted this in sort of roundabout ways in recent years. Oh, yeah. And I think when you fuck up the money, money's the most important tool. We're talking about yeah. the most important tool in the world. When you fuck that up, it fucks up everything. If the government can just print money and throw it at shit, they're going to get more power and more power and more power, and here we are today. Yeah. The U.S. government is the largest government that has ever existed in human history. Exactly. One thing that kind of blows my mind, I used to think idealistically, you know, governments were public servants and they were being selfless by taking all the stresses of running a country and the only thing they get out of it is, uh, you know, legacy and ambition. But I know your governments, uh, the people inside can actually trade, uh, do some insider trading so they can find out. Not anymore. Not anymore? They all got rich, sold the top, and then they made a law that said we can't do this anymore. Oh, yeah, sure, but you think they can't work around it? They've got the mindset and the broken morals. They're going to find a way. Oh, yeah, they just use their their um, husband or wives. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember, um, was it like Nancy, Nancy Pelosi? Pelosi. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, she's my favorite politician. Yeah, she's very smart. So true. <laughs> <laughs> if she's very smart, I should be president next week or something. That she's very smart. Uh She's another one that might have dementia. Actually, people think she has Parkinson's. She's definitely a drunk. Oh, yeah. All these people. And it's just looking at these people. Again, it's all so creepy. And it's all, to me, maybe I've stepped out of the matrix for too long and it's just so obvious to me. But these people are so disconnected from reality and so detached from any semblance of having a connection with the common man. Oh, yeah. I just look at them and their, their politics speak and the way they propagandize people. It's just so blatantly obvious to me. It's like, how can anybody yeah. look at these people and be like, oh, they're leaders. Do you remember that photo from, I think, 2016 when Hillary Clinton walked inside a normal home and she saw a kitchen and all this other stuff and she had like a fluoride stare of just like, whoa. Wow. People live, live like this? So true. I kind of would respect politicians if they came out and just were like comically evil. Like, for example, if, uh, I don't know, a US president came out and went... Hey guys, the US, 
um, war uh, with this country. Why? Uh, money and power. And I would just start clapping. I'll be like, well, you know, at least they're honest. Yeah. At least, you know, it would be kind of based, but no, yeah. I had a friend, another Miles, actually. Oh, sorry um, to hear that. He's a very base Miles. He works at Cash App. And he sent a thread out last night that basically said this, like, yeah. the U.S. empire is, again, the largest... Not only is it the largest federal government to ever exist, but it's the largest empire that's ever existed in human history. We've extended our tentacles all throughout the world. And Miles Souter's thread from last night essentially said, hey, like, let's just own this. Like Napoleon, uh, Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, like they, they came out and admitted that they wanted to be conquerors and they wanted to expand empires and just owned it. Where yeah. here in the U.S., we have this tendency to... Um, front where we say hey yeah we're just spreading democracy we're spreading democracy <laughs> but really what we're doing is just trying to spread our empire exactly i don't believe in democracy but i kind of i give you the idea of trying to spread this whole idea i mean i don't understand why the u.s doesn't invade mexico that should be a thing i mean you've got the uh narco state you have a drug cartel basically owning tanks and it's right on the u.s's doorstep it would be easy to do i think just invade the country um, all the way down to the Darien Gap, where the border's uh, closest. I'm not saying invade the whole of South America. If we had the manpower, I think you guys should. But take over this area. And because the border with the South would be so small, it's easily protected. And then you can just cut out all the cartels and then make America a less morally corrupt place with tons of drugs and everything. Yeah. There's what you could... I don't even see it. Like, that's the other thing. Like, I don't even think we need kinetic warfare to do this and the drug war. I'm not saying that, like, people should be doing more drugs, but you disincentivize the creation of the, the narcos in the first place. Oh, yeah. Just, I'm a big free trade guy. We just need to separate money in states so states can't sanction other states and certain individuals because you have this peer-to-peer distributed system that can't be censored. It has no idea who you are. It has no idea who you're interacting with. It just knows that you're signing valid, you're moving valid UTXOs with your private keys, and that's all Bitcoin knows. And from that, we can develop free trade. That's what brings peace is free trade oh, exactly, at the yeah. end of the day. And we don't need, yes, I know I'm not like a big fan of the narcos down in Mexico, but I don't think we need to go invade Mexico to destroy their empires. We just need to end the drug war and then institute free trade. Like we should, Mexico, US and Canada, we have all the natural resources we'd ever dream of to build a modern economy. It'd be beautiful. And if you set up Mexico as a new modern day China, it would make trade cheaper. Uh, It would also mean uh, both are reliant on one another so you wouldn't have conflicts with China. It it would usher in a new era of peace. Um, Yeah, and if any of you really care about the environment out of there, like you would want this because you're sending goods over smaller distances. So oh, you're yeah. using less fuel at the end of the day. It's a yeah, crazy exactly. thought, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, uh, why I ship know. things over the ocean where you can just, just plop it on a train or a trucking route. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And then at least then the narco state would go, well, you know, our supply or sorry, demand of drugs is uh, going low. We've got this tons of money. We can convert into a legitimate business and actually make a ton still. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the fucked up part about the United States in today's day and age. I mean, there's plenty of evidence that the intelligence apparatus is actively fueling the drug war. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
they're just thinking very short term when China thinks long term. So they're thinking, oh, if we fuel it, we can get black money that can fund our activities and will make countries dependent on us and whatever. And they don't think, you know, 50 years down the line. No. Well, and that's the other thing. You mentioned China. Like, there's a good case to be made that we're seeing China, like you said, they're very low time preference. They think very long and with the fentanyl epidemic that's sweeping the nation right now that many people don't like to talk about. A lot of theories out there that it's essentially like a reverse opium war where yeah. China is getting us back for the opium wars of the early the chi- the 20th Chinese, century. <laughs> the Chinese orchestrated, orchestrated George Floyd, maybe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, yeah, I don't want to get sued by George Floyd's family by saying it was uh, due to fentanyl, really. But... Um, yeah, speech. Yeah. Speech isn't free anymore. You can't say yeah, exactly. that shit. I mean, it's like the US, like, wow, we've got free speech. We've got the uh, free speech amendments. And then, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the guy that runs uh, that podcast who got sued for a billion dollars. Alex Jones. Yeah, Alex Jones. <laughs> so, you know, you, you're meant to have free speech. I mean, he's just lost a billion dollars. And now they're suing him for trillions. Like, he's, um, it's like a good fraction of US GDP they're suing it for. Yeah. Like any judge should throw that out, but they're like, wow, so true. Yeah, we'll allow it. This is Banana Republic stuff. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, this is truly, we're witnessing, we're living through the death throes of a dying empire, which is sad. As an American, I don't like to see that. Yeah. As an American, I do believe that Americans, uh, disconnected from the federal government and the intelligence apparatus that runs that government, because let's be honest... Joe Biden is not running things. Oh, of course not, no. We need, uh, going back to like, that apparatus is evil, demonic, and making life on the planet for everybody worse off, even though they would like to pretend they're spreading democracy and bringing freedom throughout the world. They're just bringing pain and misery in many fa- facets, whether it be war, um, overthrowing autonomous government, sovereign states, uh, an economic warfare with the money printing uh, on all fronts. The U.S. government is is destroying the world. But with that being said, I do believe a lot of Americans, not every American, but that sense of freedom, liberty, pursuit of happiness does reign free. And that fire is in the stomachs and minds of of millions of Americans out there. And I do think we can get back on the right path. It's just people speaking up against all this fucking bullshit and pushing things forward like Bitcoin. Like, hey, yeah. we're not going to play your system anymore. We're opting out with Bitcoin. We're separating money and state. Yeah. We're going to create, what I was showing you yesterday, this this stack for content creation oh, that yeah. cannot be censored. Uh, it's going to be monetized via Bitcoin that cannot be censored. And we're not going to sit here and stand by as you take away our speech, mm. and censor us and kick us off platforms. We're going to build... The stuff that you don't have the ability to censor. Oh, exactly. Complete independence will reassure a new golden age, I think. Mm-hmm. But it depends how far the US will take it and actually allow it. Because I, I, I'm just seeing things getting really bad before things get better. Well, we just need to make fun yeah. of these people. That's it. I'm more optimistic because I think it's so glaringly obvious that, again, these people are detached from reality. They're old. They're fucking stupid. Yeah, too. same though. Carry on. They're so easy to make fun of. That's that. That's uh, who was it? Yeah, I was talking about with Tom Luongo last week. Like our way out of this to change the narrative and to change the tides of 
like public perception of the bloated empire is just to make fun of it, to ridicule them, to point out. I mean, last night we we have midterm elections coming up here in the next couple of weeks in the United States, and uh, so a big theme in the lead up is these individual states and their particular elections for Senate um, and their gubernatorial races. And last night, Pennsylvania, I mean, we had a, a governor debate between this dude, John Fetterman and Dr. Oz uh, as a Pennsylvanian, a native Pennsylvanian, like uh, not like too pumped about either choice, but I, I think what was found out last night is like the Democratic Party in Pennsylvania probably nationally is putting forth this dude, John Fetterman, who had a stroke uh, earlier this year. Mm. He literally can't form sentences. And like they're so, it, it became so obvious last night that this dude, John Fetterman, was nothing more than like a proxy politician, a Manchurian candidate uh, that Pennsylvania Democratic Party is putting forth that they can control to get their socialist views thrust on my home state. Like last night he get, got on stage, it was one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen uh, in my life, the, the fact that they put this poor man up there just had a stroke. I mean, I don't agree with his political views at all. He's a socialist, but... Um, also, he's retarded as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but it, even like now, he's like literally can't speak because he had a stroke. It, it was just like... So inclusive. Clearly obvious that these people are trying to brute force him through so they can use him as a vehicle to get their policies through. And he, he literally couldn't form sentences. He's he short-circuited like no. s dozens of times throughout the debate. But that's the state of politics here in the United States as you have all these shadow forces, these puppet masters trying to um, use individuals that they can use to, to rally support oh, little, around. Yeah, little uh, proxies as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Happens a lot in the third world as well, really. Yeah. It's like in, um, it's in Kenya, I was there recently, and what they would do is uh, every position of government is up for bid, basically. Like uh, there was this one partition who was loved by everyone, and they had all the right ideas. Everyone seemingly voted for them, for example, it's like Trump. But um, suddenly some over, other guy that everyone hated won, and of course there were... Uh, riots, global upsets, and it's clear that it was it was fake. It's just a whole puppet thing going on in the background, and it reminded me of 2016 so much. Yeah, so I just don't think. I mean, I agree. I, I think democracy is not viable. I don't think it works. Yeah, it ends up with a tyranny of the majority. Yeah, and it also a lot of the time, which is filled with a bunch of stupid people that don't understand complex systems or yeah. economics or and the democracy gets too complex by itself because the government creates bureaucracy, and then in order for a president, the leader of a country, to pass say a bill that's like hmm, maybe we shouldn't allow uh, many illegals into our country at all at one point, and then he has to go through fifty different systems which just deny it, and then you can never really get anything done. I mean, I don't like the CCP a lot, but. At least they can snap their fingers and have something done instantly. Yeah. Yeah, but the trade-off there is it's so centrally planned that... Yeah. Well, I think, I think bring it back to the point where somewhere in the middle would be perfect because then everyone has freedoms and then the guy that everyone's elected, truthfully, would have the power to go, oh, yeah, this, uh, this makes sense. Let me fix it straight away. I mean, we just need... Uh, I mean, I, I think... I don't like labels. But if someone were to label me and my political 
beliefs, if I were to take myself out of the process and people would ask me like, all right, what do you believe in all these different realms of uh, politics, economics, social things? I, I'm probably an anarcho-capitalist there. I do, th I strongly believe the free market can solve a lot of these problems. Markets haven't been free for well over a century. Well, of course, yeah. If we can just free the markets via the money, again, money's the most important tool, fix the money, fix the world. That's why stands outside the studio you can begin to claw back this behemoth ugly evil miserable federal government that's been erected here in the united states and the i mean federal government is just a facade in front of these intelligence agencies who really run shit yeah and also the intelligence agencies are retarded themselves I mean, you think of the CIA and MI6. I mean, and the FBI, this, yeah. all their all their big, sorry for cutting you off, but That's like true. it's all, the FBI's like go-to playbook is just simply entrapment, like create a problem and then solve it. <laughs> yeah. Pretend that you're the good guy. But it's literally a money-making scheme too. And a lot of the time too, they'll hire five guys to set up a drug cartel, create a problem, and then they'll raid themselves half the time and then yeah. yeah everyone's involved in it so i think there was a a statement that went out saying there's not enough uh right-wing nationalism yeah or white nationalism in the country to cause an issue so we're just trying to manufacture it i guarantee before the midterms there will be a mass shooting of a weapon with a weapon that, or attachment they want to ban basically it's it's like clockwork oh uh elections coming up regarding gun issues oh a mass shooting that makes no sense will happen and then uh suddenly that item will be banned, restricted, or debated, and public opinion will be changed on purpose. Yeah. I mean, if you if you want to talk about Texas secession, that's where the line will be drawn. You're not taking the guns down here. Exactly, yeah. I mean, uh, the U.S. started a revolution uh, with the tea, you know, the tea throwing overboard because of a 2% rise in taxes or something. Mm -hmm. And now you guys get taxed like 45% for high income if you actually generally work hard and everything. And the guy who's earning a ton of money at the top is paying less tax than you. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not big in taxes in general. But if someone has to pay taxes, you think the richer guy who owns a big company would pay a little bit more than the guy working a hundred hours a week in tech or uh, or in investment banking or something? It's broken. Well, this is where, like, the economic discussion. It like, yeah, I mean. The top 10% pays 90% of the taxes here. Yeah. Their rate may be lower, but cumulative dollars that they're contributing to the tax revenues is the lion's share. That's yeah. the way it works. That's why I, I, taxes are theft. Oh, of course, yeah. I think if there has to be a tax, a flat rate tax for every American would be amazing because that will be the price of living in such a great nation in general. And no matter who you are, if you're rich, you're poor, black, white, whatever, you pay this certain amount, and no, mo no matter what, you will pay it, and there won't be a million workarounds. No, I don't want to give the federal government any of my fucking money because they use it just to bomb people in random countries and pay well, for poison that well, they force on people. I think abolishing the income tax would work because it was like that in the early 1900s, right? Yeah, consumption tax does make more sense. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But I think it should be all local. Like if you're going to be a tax, pay it to your county then pay it to your city, then pay it to your state, and then stop there. And if you need, I mean, the whole argument for the federal government is, uh, or like taxing flowing up to the federal government, or at least the start, it was like, hey, we need a fucking army to protect ourselves, so we need to 
subsidize that and it's just gotten way too far away from that and with the modern age with the technological revolution with the digital age that we live in i got do there's got to be a free market solution too if we need to defend ourselves as a as a nation of autonomous states that have a common land and we need to defend that land I, I think it's easier to communicate and organize we don't need a federal government to do that oh yeah and the biggest threats to our uh, well to America in general the wars with these big nations that have nukes longer happen there might be proxy wars but in general you don't need such a big budget I, I know it's for power projection all that but at the end of the day if you just focus on yourself and make the economics work the US could easily overthrow China economically yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen, when I've been to basically the whole of East Africa, including South Sudan and Afghanistan, I walk right outside the airport and I, I see a group of Chinese businessmen and a Chinese billboard in Mandarin. And I'm, I am I can read some Mandarin. I'm looking at it. I'm like, they have everything. They're, they're colonizing every single place. And I think colonization is based. I've, I've got to admit, you know, if you do it in a certain way, why not? I mean, the <laughs> British did make these countries better to some degree. I mean, most of India was just miserable for the English and we actually did good work there in general. A lot of Indians are envious of British people, but off topic. But if America actually invests in these countries, they can make a ton of money off it. Like there was about 15 Chinese restaurants inside South Sudan, the capital being only three miles across in diameter, 15 Chinese restaurants, and they're all doing quite well. Supermarkets too, all this other stuff. So I think if America did that as well, the potential that oh you're making the argument spread freedom and democracy via capitalism free market economics yeah yeah exactly why bomb it where you can just take it over from the inside what's the zoomer perspective on the state of the world right now yours oh, my 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 opinions are very extreme in some ways so i think i think most people couldn't categorize me into left or right or they would just call me a schizophrenic <laughs> generally uh but i think my opinions on the free market would be as long as it's not evil to some degree i think freedom would be good i hate i hate the um the uh the baggage that comes with certain complexities and everything so i think free market with some ideals be very good and if you have to eliminate evil uh i i just hate the endless debates of governments you know uh, all this nonsense that goes on all the talk i i just like the work of action i mean you've seen me off camera I, i'm just trying to make things work and I want things done instantly, right? I want things done very quickly. And I think if you want to stop the narco state, say in Mexico, uh, you wouldn't have Joe Biden having like an episode on stage and then they debate about it for 24 months whilst everything's changing. I would just go, um, I'm in charge of a country. Uh, let's solve it this way right now. Uh, who are you to um, you know, say this, Mr. President? I'm like, well, I'm the president. I'm going to act on it. So... I, I just think... So that's the Bukele yeah, exactly. playbook out of uh, El Salvador. Yeah, exactly. It does work to some degree. If you just take very clear action, it works. And that's why a lot of um, early 20th century empires did quite well, because he had a very strong, clear leader who was very honest about what he wanted. And people were like, well, you know, he's not BSing us. If, any, if anyone you met spoke like a politician, like a friend or a potential partner on a date... You would think they're retarded and just BSing you, but why would we let them run a country when they're saying this stuff? Yeah. In general. I think that's why I like Trump to some degree. He didn't, most of his policies I didn't agree with, but damn, that guy knew how to talk and actually be honest. Yeah. And say, hey, this is what I want. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, God, it's all so fucked. But even though you would consider yourself, do you take Zoomer as a... Yeah, no, that's fine. That's good for me. Can I call you a Zoomer? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. okay with that? I'm retarded, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Getting a... I'm getting a, what's it called? Generationalist? Ageist, whatever it may be. Well, you're probably right, though. I mean, ageism makes a lot of sense, like a lot of isms, but I won't go on to that topic. Yeah. Uh, but even though you consider yourself having what others would deem extreme views. Thank you. In your demographic. Yes. In your generation. Do you think, even if somebody your age has a different view the other direction, like, do you, do you, are you observing a dissatisfaction with the state of the world? kids your age yeah i at university i saw a bunch of this is what usually would happen uh i would see a bunch of girls and my university was majority men so like 70 percent of guys were men because it was an engineering and sports university and these girls would go out every single night get completely drunk wasted spend all their money so they would go into the overdraft and they were taking a psychology degree so it was useless they didn't have a direction if you went oh excuse me uh you know, what are you going to do with your future? What's the plan? You know, you're investing a lot of money and time. They go, I don't know. Like, I want to help, like, children. I don't want children myself. But, like, I just want to help people, you know? And, like, you know, just enjoy myself and, like, talk to people when they're the one with the mental issues, the need for counselling and the psychology therapy in general, right? And there would be total wrecks of humans, no sleep schedule, they would be drunk, they would have no academic or social potential. The only reason people talk to them is because they're attractive and they want to have sex with them because university nightlife. Uh, they would have 50 different mental disorders, uh, either bisexual, bipolar or something really dodgy, you know. And then they would be the ones that want to tell people how the world should work. And I would just straight up go to them and go, you're actually bloody retarded. Uh, you shouldn't be in charge of anything, not even yourself, because you can't even control yourself. You clearly need institutionalization. <laughs> like you need to go into a mental home. Um, and there's a ton of those people. And those people have somewhat of a voice and some, somewhat of uh, power influence in the world. And it just makes me want to start the slate clean, you know, do a whole Noah's Ark type thing. Um, so you get a ton of people like that that are just terminally online, uh, you know, say on that left side of Twitter and Reddit and all that. And they generally think they know how the world works. And from that point... That they can go out and fix it. Yeah, they, they can fix it, yeah. When they can't make money, they can't make themselves happy. Uh, it, mostly the men that I like, they get no bitches too, or they have no idea of dedication or marriage or anything. They laugh at religion when they're trying to be spiritual themselves, like astrology and all this nonsense everyone who's self-aware of these people just make fun of them and these people are miserable like they come to you and they cry and they say they had a breakdown the other day and i sit there after like my 50th time meeting someone like this after two years i'm like oh wow i wonder why really uh, do you want me to tell you why and i tell them and um, they some of them do make changes and they're like you're right miles I, I don't want to admit it but you were right and they do admit it eventually and then their lives a lot happier or they just go down the rabbit hole and make it worse like I, I met this one girl, she would have sex with a guy every four days, three or four days, and she would constantly cry afterwards and she was looking for love. I'm like, hey, maybe uh, if you're dating someone, you should uh, wait like a few months or even till marriage, which is my preference, until having sex with someone, you know? And 
eventually it clicked in her brain and she was like, well, I'm miserable and I've contemplated suicide. It all stems from having sex with strangers constantly. And she waited and then she was a lot happier. I mean, it just blew her mind and I don't understand how these people don't see the correlation. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's the thing in my part. So I'm eight years older than you, which is hard to believe. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that was the lifestyle we were sold here in the States too, around college, university. It's like, <laughs> number one, you have to go because if you don't go, you're a failure. Oh. You're never going to be successful. So that was fully embedded into the brains of the millennials uh, growing up in the United States. So you went, but like the lead up, you did like this big search for the college. And one of the main criteria of the search is for many people, many people were academics first or sports first, but if we're being honest with ourselves, American millennials, one of the, the main criteria is how much fucking fun am I going to have here? Like how much partying am so I going to do? Like what's the girl to guy ratio? What is, uh, is there pop people here, ugly people here? Uh, and that, I mean, I, I mean, when I went to college, I partied pretty hard. I mean, I was probably lucky that I started dating my wife when I was a senior in college. I've been together with her ever since, but uh, there's good man. that mentality. And for a lot of people, they get to college, they partied hard and then finished college yeah. and the party never stopped. And yeah. Well, you worked hard too, and that's how you got here. Yes, I did These work people hard. just indulge consistently. And I think... Well, that, the point yeah. I'm trying to get to is like there's... Balance. Like, is it the people... Like, yeah, obviously the people have some um, responsibility and accountability that they need to come to grips with, but how much of this problem that you were describing, all these people taking psychology majors that couldn't control their own lives but wanted to tell others how to better their lives like what layer like there's a layer below that again all these individuals should have agency and should hold themselves accountable but what misled them to get to that point and think that this was okay like what in the culture is fucked up hmm. like for us it was like you have to go to college and it was just normalized college is the time to party oh yeah well, I think in America, the whole dream is you get to be independent. So you're not like a Chinese puppet state, you know, um, where China controls each individual. You're not seen as an individual. You're seen as a, you know, as an ancient the colony. At least with America, you're meant to be an individual, but these people aren't taught how to be individuals. So they just have to follow the path they see everyone else doing. And that's an issue of bad parenting, social media. They're trying to kill individualism here in the United States. Yeah, so. exactly. I've seen it. Like... The thing is, if you're watching as someone from the US and you're about to go to university, you can go to Europe, to to Belgium. I think university there is $800 a year. Damn. Exactly, yeah. Um, like what I did, I dropped out and I did a second degree in my spare time. It was an online degree from a degree mill that's actually accredited by the government. And my degree, it's called a level six diploma. So it's fully equal to a degree. Companies have to accept this. And a banking and finance degree that I did, 100% online, no exams whatsoever, 100% coursework, so I didn't actually look at any of the lectures. When the coursework came, I just Googled everything and reworded it all. Uh, $1,000, and it took me nine months to get that three or four year degree yeah. instead. And yeah. you could take a six month accelerated course. So imagine being in the US spending $100,000 to get the same thing, plus living expenses, 
and I can work whilst doing that. So you've got to understand the opportunity that most people are missing out on. Yeah. So if you want to be an individual in the US, do that basically. Yeah. Or just don't go. Go like you can start a business. Like we live in the digital age. You don't need college. Exactly. Just pop down to Afghanistan to start selling stuff. Like that's what, <laughs> that's what I've done. It's retarded, but it works. We're looking at the biggest exporter uh, of Afghani goods to to the UK right here. Legally, yes. Oh, should we should we go through that story? Yeah, let's I go think for so. It. So I was speaking to uh, I was speaking to this guy before the show, but turns out there's a document released by each country every single year or quarterly. It's every three months basically stating uh, this is how much trade was done between this country and this country. So I looked through Afghanistan and it's organized by money, so the value, which most companies don't do because they realize you have to pay a ton of tax if they declare how much it's really worth. And most people don't know because it's a cash-based economy. So they declare it in weight instead. So the weight was something like, uh, I don't know, 30 kilograms, whatever that is in America, right? Uh, Like maybe, I don't know, half a ton. I don't know. But then I realized, hey, wait, I did mine through unofficial channels to get the stuff back. I literally stuffed all the Afghan stuff in my carry-on. And if that's the official biggest trade done from Afghanistan to England, it's 30 kilograms. I realized weighing my bag, I did 40 or 50 kilograms. So therefore, unofficially, I'm a biggest exporter from Afghanistan to England. So I'm a biggest exporter of Taliban merch and it actually does sell and it's not illegal. It's 100% allowed. It's just I took on the risk to do something really retarded. And now I get that title and I'm home to keep it and it's going to increase every single time. <laughs> <laughs> Who's buying this Taliban merch? Um, you know, terrorists. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it's just a bunch of people who want to LARP in general. So you got airsoft people who just want a military patch from Afghanistan because it's cool, right? You know, if I give you something from Afghanistan, you go be like, whoa, bro, it's from Afghanistan. It's a mystical place because you've been at war with it, with it for 20 years. And to be fair, it is a mystical place. It's, it's crazy over there. So you you buying a piece of it is just a talking point in general if you show it to someone. It's generally high quality goods. You can't get them anywhere else because for shipping companies, they don't allow it. So if I went to say um, U- uh, UPS uh, in Afghanistan, there we go, bro, we, it's like $100 to ship, uh, I don't know, one fifth of a ton out of the country. So it's expensive to begin with. And also, we won't ship any Taliban merch. Even though it's illegal, they just don't want to risk it just in case because it's a million different moving parts. But with me, I can go there with 50 suitcases, smile on my mouth, go to the market, fill it up, and then fly back with it. So I've got the entire market. And so people want to buy it because it's entertaining. It's cool stuff. Like, damn, if you got something from Afghanistan, that's cool. I control the market. And in general, it's just airsoft people, collectors, historians. Like if you go on Amazon what do you right say, now, airsoft people. Yeah, airsoft people. They have um, they have uh, body armor on, and they have this Velcro patch they want to stick on. And if you get to pretend to be the Taliban in that, power to you. That's fun. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, and do you, so sorry, carry on. Are you worried about getting? Uh, the spotlight on you. Oh, I, I kind stuff. of want to because I want I want to get a job as a spy. Technically, I'll be open about it. When I when I came back from Afghanistan, it was four a.m. and I went to uh, London Gatwick Airport. So you want to be a spook? Wouldn't mind it if they pay me. I don't care. I work for Mossad. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, I went to Gatwick Airport in England, the biggest airport in England, the busiest airport in Europe, and it was four a.m. and I being without two days of sleep. So I I went to the customs channel. 
to declare something there's no one there so I have to call up the customers agency they come down some little lady and, uh, and she goes oh where'd you just come from oh Afghanistan and her eyes widen she looks panicked you know and I undo all my suitcases there's Taliban flags 9-11 rugs patches all this other stuff and she starts going through it and she's like oh this is really dodgy you know what, what's your intended purpose oh just giving it away and selling it for fun you know really like the country and she's like, oh, are you Muslim? I'm like, no, I'm a hardcore Catholic. She's like, oh, how'd you make it out? And I was like, it's easy. You know, I just pop down, speak to the Taliban, no issues. She's like, you spoke to the Taliban? I go, yeah, here's a selfie with them. They're really lovely. And she's having like an aneurysm at this point. And she calls someone and goes, you know, it's technically legal. I go, yeah, I know it's legal, but we have to call someone. We have to call anti-terrorism. We have to call, uh, you know, this hotline to inspect it. She calls them, no one answers. It's 4 a.m. The UK doesn't have a budget to keep one staff member of the busiest airport in Europe on staff to actually inspect my stuff. So she goes, oh, geez. Oh, man, uh, you can keep the stuff and everything. You can walk free right now, sir, but someone's going to come to your house and inspect all your stuff. You know, this is pretty dodgy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I kind of do. I'm going to South Sudan next month. And she goes, going to South Sudan <laughs> and she's like how are you going to finance it oh, I'm selling Taliban merch and she's like oh jeez and she's having a heart attack at this point it's great so I get home I sleep and I'm expecting anyone to come to my door you know in a few moments and it doesn't happen for a week so I, I actually call up the anti-terrorism hotline and I go oh jeez uh, someone was meant to come to my door and inspect my uh, you know, suspected terrorist merch can you like come please because I've got to fly to South Sudan in a few weeks and they're like uh, 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 okay sir someone will come to your door they don't come so I start emailing every single agency I can uh, I email MI5 I email um, Metropolitan Police in England and they give me these blanket statements and it gets to a point where one them calls me and goes oh well we'll look into it sir you know whatever so either they they think i'm just not a threat because no one came in the end so i'm just sitting there with like you know tons of taliban merch in my house no one cares so either they just don't care or they just don't have the resources to check out someone who just brought back 50 kilograms so basically like you know almost my weight in just dodgy taliban merch it's great yeah well you're not doing anything that wrong, right? You're I'm not just, doing anything dodgy, but people think, would people would say it's uh, in bad taste. But I think it's in great that's taste. Subjective. Yeah. Well, in bad taste is bombing a country for twenty years with no clear plan and not even succeeding, spending people's tax money. But you know, I you know you know if I was like the head of the spy agency, I'll be like, hey, you know what, you know what, wait a minute, I'm gonna have a an idea. Maybe we should maybe pop down for 10 minutes and uh, speak to this guy. That might be a good idea. You know, maybe with our billions in resources, we can just drive down to this small house and ask. Because the police station, the anti-terrorism police station in my town, is actually a five-minute walk. So I pass that every single morning. I kind of just give him a thumbs up, um, joking that they're actually monitoring me. So I'd give him a thumbs up if they are. Just to- oh, you always, uh, it's a reoccurring theme here on... TFTC and Rabbit Hole Recap, you always let your FBI agent know that you know they're listening. What's up, FBI agent? So true. <laughs> like, um, I think three months ago, I took a selfie in front of the MI6 building in London. Um, and I said, oh, hi, uh, if it got me tracked on GPS from my phone, because it probably do with everyone. Uh, it'll be kind of funny to think, oh, crap, he's here, guys. He's here. <laughs> he's found us. I, I just meme it all out. But truthfully, I would expect a little bit more from them in general. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Are they incompetent? Do they care? I like to think they really do need a high cause of concern to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I did get 
a conversation for three hours at the airport once in a small interrogation room. They took my fingerprints and everything, typical stuff. I expected it all. I planned for it, actually. But I kind of once... What was this situation? Well, I was on my way to South Sudan, and I got to the airport in Gatwick again, of all places, so I'm, I'm a regular there. And the anti-terrorism police walked up to me, and I was sitting in a restaurant at that one point in the open, so... They must attract me on the uh, CCTV because I I was in a big crowd. So he found me in the armed police. You know, they have uh, the highest caliber guns that the UK could get. And we go, oh, excuse me, sir, if you're uh, Lord Lord Miles, uh, you have to come with us. And they ask, what's my phone pin? And I know by law I have to give it to them because cooked UK state. So I give him my phone and they start cloning my phone and searching through it. They bring me into a small interrogation room. Was for it three a burner, hours. I hope? No, no, no. But I deleted all my memes and everything. I, I have my phone very clean. I've got a burner phone for when I go into these countries. But no matter what, they know I have a burner phone. They know what I have. I'm not going to underestimate their capabilities. So I'm just going to be very upfront to them. And I know I've done nothing wrong. So if anything happens and they cause issues, I just say the word lawyer, tell them to F off kindly and someone will sort it out because you get a lawyer for free. You're right. But they interrogated me for three hours and they were incompetent. So first thing they do is they ask you some very basic questions to create a baseline, to see if you're lying or not, so to see your lying face or your truthful face. So they ask me things like, what grades did you get when you were 16? And they have that as public records, so that's why they're asking. And I tell them straight up, and what I'm doing is I'm sitting upright, both hands on my desk, I'm smiling at them, I make clear eye contact in such a way that it's the least effort to me, so I look like I'm listening and alert, but at the same time, they, I cannot deviate from that. And if I do they know something's up or I'm changing the story but I was very spot on so if they read my body language they can't draw anything from it and cause issues right so I know by then I'll be out very quickly compared to if I was just slumping back sometimes and actually getting comfortable sometimes if they offer me something like water or something from a vending machine I show yes I say yes because people who are guilty say no and they act all panicked and they do certain pressure positions on themselves um Sometimes I'll exit a room on purpose, even though there's two of them. There's always two agents, one's talking, one's quiet. And they have a camera that's hidden, but you can still see it. So we see what, if I go change position when I'm waiting. I don't. I just I just start looking around, doing normal stuff. I'm not completely still. They start inspecting my bag, and you know, they're saying you're going to South Sudan and no issues. And they find just Bibles, and I hide my money in a water bottle. It's like a flask, and the bottom twists off and has a secret compartment full of cash in it. And they didn't even check that. That's one thing you would think you would check, because I know that's a typical thing. So I say, hey, no, you missed a compartment, pass it here to the feds, and I show them it, and they actually act surprised. So they can't keep a straight face themselves. <laughs> I'm just messing with them at some point. Um, you know, they asked me, why do you have an alias? Because I, I have well, two, two different names and yeah. so on. This gets back to my point. Just ridicule them. Yeah, exactly. Like in front of them, like, hey, you missed this. Yeah, exactly. Because these people are not competent in some degree because they're paid, say, f the equivalent of thirty dollars to $40,000 a year to deal with high-risk people, interrogate people three hours straight. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to pay the life. I'm dealing with potential terrorists, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, they literally have to put in three hours of psychological mind game to sort of find out if someone's going to bomb a city or something. I'd, be one, I'd want to be paid more than that. And these people, clearly rookies, because if you find another job in that industry, you've got to jump ship so you don't get people who have been doing it for 20 years or something. Um, you know, they found no issues with me. They cloned my phone and my laptop and then they sent me on my merry way. But that was interesting. I kind of wish it would happen again. I kind of wish I would have a higher up this time. Yeah. 
it's just, it's just well, entertaining. It's, a, it's an interesting strategy. You just you create security for yourself by just being as open as possible. Yeah, yeah. like I, I. Do you ever tell them you're a journalist? No, no. I said I do journalistic work. So what I do is um. Uh, I, because it's usually UK government that doing it. So I go, hey, I, I'm like, I write for some newspapers regarding some stuff, but I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a journalist. I actually act insulted if they call me a journalist because I don't like journalists in general, right? They're twats. I've met a lot of them. And I'd say, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just a venturing, maybe a travel blogger, that type of stuff. But one point is I came into the US twice. So it's my second time here. And I was never questioned. You think when they flick through my passport, so... I don't mind showing the camera this because I'm getting a new passport soon. I've got four passports, by the way. It's completely legal. So if they flick through my passport and they say, oh, you know what, Miles, you've got, um, you've got four Afghan stamps. You've got four Afghan stamps and you've got like South Sudan, you've got Ukraine, you know, several war zones, all this other stuff like South Sudan right here, guys. That's what it looks like. And if you, if you look through that, you would think, hmm, we should spend like, maybe like 10 minutes on this guy. No, but you asked me if I've got f any fish or meat on me, if they let me through. <laughs> also, that's great. And it's like, they asked me to show me uh, their debit, my debit card as well. And they see the name is different on it. It's completely different because I have an alias. And we don't think like, oh, geez, this guy has like several different identities. He's coming into this country for seemingly no good reason. Maybe we should question him. It just blows my mind that these Agencies are incompetent. The only thing I could think is maybe they're monitoring me from a background, just taking a step back. Probably definitely are. I hope but so. are you trying to get caught? Is well, there like a part of you that wants... A part of me wants to be interviewed because then I can practice on it. Because I've been interviewed by the Taliban. I've been interviewed by the ISI, which is Pakistan Special Intelligence uh, at the Afghan border. I've been interviewed by Kenyan Intelligence. That was recent. And I do need to practice for it because they have different techniques and it would be nice. And maybe... I can ask them for some advice because they're meant to be the experts. So maybe I can go, hey guys, um, you know what I'm doing? You have to do this as a courtesy to some government somewhere. Fair enough. Give me some advice on what I'm doing or, you know, do you know any guys in these areas? Maybe I can just integrate myself into their network. Yeah. I see it as a business meeting. Are I you went, seeking out the confrontation with these agencies? Though? Yeah. Why? Because I know they can't do anything. <laughs> it's just fun to sit in front of them. It's like a game of mental chess. I just get to mess with them. Yeah. I mean, Kenyan intelligence, I told you that story, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the one of the things we're going to talk about. I mean, your trip to South Sudan, you flew oh, yeah. through Kenya. Yes, yeah, so I drove through Kenya to the South Sudan border. And then you, got, drove. you got detained, right? Yeah. For, so I arrived at this refugee camp in Kakuma, which is a South Sudan Somali refugee camp. There's massive corruption there. Kenya, most people think of it as a poor but okay country. No, it is a dangerous country. Like, if you're there as a tourist in the capital city and you take your photos of some buildings, a policeman most likely will come up to you and go, hey, brother, uh, that, uh, that building is government building. You cannot take picture. Fine is $200. And of course they can't. And then they'll ask, they'll ask for your passport. And then they'll take your passport and say, you don't get it back till you get $200. Is this in Nai Nairobi? That That's in Nairobi, yeah. yeah. So I went to a very outside uh, area of this refugee camp. And I went to the police... Um, and I entered the camp and they just hate me saying, oh, you need a permit for this camp. And I was like, no, no, if you're, if you're a worker agency, you do, but I actually don't. And they just went to my hotel and they took my passport. I was like, crap, you know, and I had my other three passports at home because one of them was processing at the time. So technically I couldn't leave the country and they were asking for a bribe of over $3,000 because some people have paid that in the past. Some people have paid $3,000 
to these Kenyan police where their salary is about $200 a month. So imagine getting paid roughly one times your salary for a small bribe. So here, imagine bribing a police officer $40,000. Yeah. <sighs> you know, it's a money-making scheme. And they're used to it. So I was put in a building, a little cell, for like a good six hours. Then I was taken out and I'm just smiling. I'm just pissing and acting very confident because I know that's, it's all psychology thing. The IQ on average is 85. I'm gonna mess with these people. And I'm in a room with eight different uh, individuals, all of them seasoned veterans. They're banging the table, they're shouting at me, then they're really kind all of a sudden. And they go, oh, we know you illegally entered the camp. We can send you to prison. And I go, okay, you do that then. Maybe I call a lawyer. And they go, oh, you're not allowed to call a lawyer. And I go, no, I am allowed. And when I call a lawyer, you'll get in trouble. Maybe you get terminated, eh? And I'm threatening them and they're, they're taken aback. They're like, wow, well, this, this foreigner is threatening us. And you can do that. They, they respect for confidence to some degree. And then, and then they talk to each other and then they bring me back in and go, oh, sorry, yeah, you are allowed to call a lawyer, but we're just, uh, we mixed up the words. We're sorry, you can call the lawyer though. And I fake call a lawyer because I don't know any lawyers in Kenya. <laughs> so I'm like sticking the back like, oh, you can get me out. They're not allowed to do that. I'm just faking a phone call. I, I've actually got no signal. And then, you know, they're panicking a little bit and they're just wanting a bribe. At this point, their idea is going down from $3,000 to maybe $1,000 or maybe $500. I'm not paying a penny. I hate spending money, but I also hate giving money to corrupt people and evil people. I'm not funding that system. So then I call up the embassy and they panic more. And the embassy goes, well, technically it's a police investigation, sir. So, um, you know, we, we can't do anything. I'm like, yeah, but don't be retarded. These people are corrupt and they have no charges. It's clearly an issue. Oh, you got, you got to like wait for the process to be done. And I'm like, okay, well, they're not helpful. They tried to give me advice, but nothing would work. But I'm telling them, oh yeah, the embassy's working on it. Maybe we could take this higher up. Maybe we can cause issues for you to the actual police. And they're panicking a little bit. They're sweating, but they're acting confident too because they're prideful people. And then I get a text message come through saying your passport will be ready in five to seven working days. So remember before I ordered a passport back home, a new one, I show it to them and go, hey, look, the embassy's issuing me a new passport. So you got my passport and I am free to walk away. Maybe I get another passport and you don't get anything. And now they're realizing, damn, this guy's working against us. He's got systems in place and they don't know I'm not important. So they actually ask, is that a diplomatic passport you've got? And these people don't know what a diplomatic passport is. They don't know what to look for. So I don't answer, I just smile at them. And I go, you think I would be here just for fun? You think I'm not powerful? You think I'm not a, a big man like you guys? And then they start sweating. And it gets to the point where they're saying you're giving my passport back the next day, but I'm not risking it because I was speaking to my local guy in this refugee camp and the police do kill people randomly. And if you don't believe me, Google Kenyan police killing, the police will just kill anyone who's an issue and they disappear. But because I'm English, they know there would be an investigation. So maybe they're considering things and I'm not risking being killed if they're giving back my passport because they know where I'm going. There's only one road in the desert. So I pay someone, uh, a woman to go into this Kenyan police station because people just walk in, it's like a social club. And she starts buying the police officer drinks and she gets him drunk and I pay a hundred dollars and alcohol is expensive. So we get him completely shit faced. He's incoherent. And we get the woman to get the guy to go into the uh, filing cabinet of the police station and get me back my passport. <laughs> so I stole back my passport, which I illegally can't get. It's mine. I steal back my own property. I'm Robin Hood for myself at this point. So I just stole off the Kenyan police. And the next day we drive straight away to that, to that border. It's about five hours away. 
I'm guessing the guy woke up, realised what's happened, and he called uh, a higher up because he's head of the police in this area. And of course, millions of dollars flow, flow through this area. So if the UN gives them a fine because of a corruption, they lose like a ton of money, then you know, maybe they get thrown in prison themselves. Because if someone gets exposed for corruption, generally, they will get screwed over by the Kenyan uh, higher ups. But it's so prominent because no one can provide real proof, really. You know, They just pull BS laws out of their ass. So when I get to the border, I get detained by this one guy, but this guy is different. And he does introduce himself as a police and he acts like it's very routine and he's, he's not intimidating, he's just quiet. He's flicking through my passport, typing on a computer. He's got a very sharp uniform, very professional guy. And I know from that point he's intelligent, so I just straight up ask him. And he goes, yeah, I, I worked at the embassy for many years and now I work with Kenyan intelligence, yes. You can call me this. And then he flicks through, he flicks through my passport, he's like, what are we doing in Afghanistan? And I was like, just work. And I keep it as subtle as possible because then they resume the worst and they crave their own little idea in their head. And this guy, after about an hour in this desert with a single building in, concludes I'm a spy. And he goes, okay, so, um, you know, you're doing work here. That's good stuff, but you need to be more careful. You know, maybe you're new to this industry. And I go, what industry? He's like, we both know. <laughs> And I just smile at him. I'm just playing along. I didn't think this would happen. I'm like, yeah, so true, so true. And he's like, yeah, I've been, I've been to some places like you. And he goes, yeah, yeah, so um, what's your business here? I'm like, oh, I'm just bringing this guy um, across the border. He goes, okay, no worries. He goes, so you go leave and um, will you come back anytime? I go, no, you won't see me again. And he goes, that's good, thank you. And so he goes, okay, I've got to call some higher-ups. So this guy thinks you're a spy. Yeah, and I'm just acting very casual. I'm acting like, you know, just sitting there, smate, faint smile, just looking at him like you would, you know. And I, I've met a few spies, so I know how they act. They have a lot of stuff in common, so I think just emulate that, just manipulate miles because spies could be executed technically. So, yeah, screw it. I'm not going to go to prison. I'm just going try, to try my best. And then the guy goes, okay, well, you know, you know, why don't you have a second passport? And I go... You know, there's a reason I can't say. And he's like, okay. And because he thinks I'm English, he's like, you know, this guy's above me because his intelligence agency is better than the Kenyan one. So he's just like, okay, that's fine. But he goes, you know, um, just be really careful across there. But I think you know what you're doing, just, you know. And then he calls up the real police guy who issued my arrest or something. And he calls him up and goes, I'm listening through a window. And he goes, this guy's got no charges. You got nothing against this guy. So why are you trying to arrest him? This will cause big diplomatic issues. And he starts roasting the head of police, who is at this point a really fat, big man, you know, with a lot of aggression. And you hear him, you know, roasting him and pulling him apart because he's Kenyan intelligence. You know, if a police officer could kill people or will, imagine what detention officers can do. So he starts pulling him apart and he goes, well, we didn't even bribe you. You gave back the passport? <laughs> and then uh, in the end, the guy just pulls me in and goes, Here's my number. We oh. should talk. And I've still got it saved. And I haven't messaged him because, you know, I don't think I should go back to Kenya anytime soon. Of course, I can't help him. I'm not a spy. But I got the number written down on a post-it note. I took a picture and saved it. He gave me a firm handshake. He says, I respect what you're doing. Just you know, be careful over there. And that was my Damn. that was my I think fourth interaction with a spy. But that was the most prominent one where he actually gave me an opportunity. Which is interesting. I'm guessing he wanted a job somewhere or something, which is fine. Miles, Lord Miles, the, 
the independent spy. Thank you. He, uh, yeah, I think well, I'll like, be... the thing about it because your whole trip was to go there. I mean, you hadn't done it yet, but you're like, so this guy thinks that you're going as a spy to smuggle somebody out of Sudan. Yeah, maybe uh, I know. But you're doing it, but you're just some 23-year-old who wants to do it for the thrill. Yeah, because if I start speaking about what I do, he he's going to think, this guy's lying, most likely, or this guy's actually retarded. (laughs) 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 But um, this guy was saying, like, I wouldn't go to South Sudan. Like, I've been there, but I wouldn't go again. I'm like, it's not a war zone anymore, it's close to it, but yeah, I guess. And I, I think it makes more sense that I would be a spy in general on paper to these people. Because if you tell them, yeah, I'm a travel influencer and I go to this place and I post about it online because people are really interested in these countries, these people just, it's a different world. It would make no sense. Uh, these Kenyans would go, no, that's stupid. That's not a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you got to make them think you're a spy. Yeah, like this job 15 years ago, what I do, that wouldn't be a thing. A travel blogger who goes to uh, war zones, goof off um, based on GoFundMe to sells Taliban merch. No, that wouldn't be a thing. <laughs> so these people, social-wise, are like 10, 15 years behind on the trends, you know, with social media and everything. So for them, it wouldn't make sense. So it made more sense to go down his presumption about the spy because he doesn't know my capabilities. I showed him the text again saying my passport's been issued. He's like, damn, this guy's got the UK government working for him <laughs> uh, or like working with him. And I didn't say I'll write him a spy because that's illegal. You know, you can't say it. I don't want to impersonate anyone of the UK government. Definitely not, but I was just playing along with it. And damn, it yeah. got me out of a bad situation. Yeah. The, uh, what's it called? Yeah, your plausible deniability. Yeah, yeah. Have I told you about the first time I met a spy? No. Yeah, so do you remember back in February time, before Ukraine happened, there was a bunch of Kazakhstan protests going yes. on? Yeah, so the Russians came into... It was cool, a big thing yeah. in the uh, the Bitcoin mine. Bitcoin miners, actually, some Kazakhs tried to blame Bitcoin mining because what happened when the China banned... Bitcoin mining, a lot of that hash rate migrate to Kazakhstan because uh, energy is cheap and it's energy, cold. Yeah, and, and the yeah. Kazakhstan like utilities providers like yes, Bitcoin miners come here. They wound up. It's actually hilarious enough. They wound up getting all these Bitcoin miners to spin up a bunch of infrastructure and plug in their machines, and then as soon as they were all settled, they just jacked up their electricity rates. And they <laughs> made it unprofitable. I got to respect it, not gonna lie. <laughs> but yeah, the, yeah. the Kazakhstan thing it was over the petrol, correct? Yeah. Um, Petrol prices were going insane. Exactly, yeah. And it was just a, um, a breaking point for these people because they've been screwed over. You know, it's all downhill since the Soviet Union. So these people are miserable and they think, screw revolution time. And, you know, the, uh, the Russians couldn't have that. So what Russia did was invade Kazakhstan pretty much to uh, quell the protests. Yes. Cause peace. Um, but when that happened, I was in Uganda in February time. I was like, damn, I have to go to this fit. And now I don't do protests because I know they fizz out too quickly. But before this, my first protest, I thought, yeah, I'll go there. So I quickly funded some money. Next day, I'm flying to Kazakhstan. But I realized Kazakhstan had closed its country to all outsiders. So I think, OK, I'm going to go to the next door neighbor, Kyrgyzstan. Because they've still got an embassy there that's operating. They could issue visas and... I could get there illegally, but I'm get, I'll get onto that. So as I'm flying on this plane, you know, I see all these Asians. Uh, they look like they're natives to the area. They're flying back home. And there's one white guy. He's sitting on the row, one row ahead of me, next to me. So I think I want to start a conversation with this guy, but I can't randomly tap him and go, oh, you're going to this country too? <laughs> Crazy, bro. I start walking to the bathroom. I drop my passport on purpose. And he sees that and he picks it up and goes, oh, hi there. Uh, there you go. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. You know, I would have issue going to Kazakhstan without a passport. 
and I see this guy's face and he is clear to, clearly a veteran. He's like 40 years old, but he looks like he's been through several wars. You know, he's got the death stare. And anyone who's met military guys who have killed people, you know, you've seen this stare before. His eyes can cut through butter. So he's just staring into my soul. And I've got a little bit of a stare like that, but I've got a baby face. This guy's, you know, rough as hell. Hardened. Yeah, exactly. Hardened. Uh, the least gateway possible hardened <laughs> but he stares isn't me that, down isn't that staring you yeah. down with a so he go, his face goes like this he's like hey, it's your passport you're going to Kazakhstan too yeah you're going to Kazakhstan too and I go yes yes so he moved his seat and he, he starts telling me oh I'm going there too maybe we can work together where are you from I'm like England and he goes oh I'm from uh, I think it was Norway or the Netherlands one of those two I'm like amazing so why are you going there and he goes oh I'm just going there for um skiing and I go skiing you say so it's uh you know the ski resorts are closed everything's closed uh just civil war going on pretty much you're going to have a skiing he's like that's right I love skiing there you're going to skiing there right as well and I'm like yeah I'm skiing too and he starts nodding at me and either this guy's a schizophrenic <laughs> but he, he clearly wasn't you know he was clearly well calculated very in control of himself he had the body of a soldier like he was jacked as hell very tanned had been around the world short buzz trim it's what a spy would look like and he had everything incognito bags and everything and he's like i'm going to the embassy do you want to come with maybe we could talk about uh, the paperwork together so we could both go skiing together I'm like, holy crap, okay, I'm meeting, I'm meeting a spy pretty much. And at this point, I'm with another guy who kind of ruins it because he was meant to teach me some military stuff in training in Kazakhstan. And he just ruins, ruins it by being unprofessional. The spy guy just doesn't like this guy because mm -hmm. he's drinking every day, all this other stuff. And this guy continually has a death stare, doesn't break from his story. If we start laughing at the whole idea of him going skiing, he doesn't laugh with us. He, he knows... A normal person who's just doing something stupid or maybe lying would laugh and play it off. This guy's just staring down, has no emotions. He goes to the embassy, flashes a piece of paper, which I don't know why it was, and they go, oh, welcome back, sir. And they, they basically give him the paperwork and start fi starts filling it in. And for me, I, when I went there, I had to fill in extra paperwork that he didn't. So I'm trying to think, well, who's he in cahoots with? What do you think he was going there to do? clearly do intelligence because a lot of US intelligence officers were captured in Kazakhstan oh, really? during the protest. Yeah, a lot of them were executed or found or suspected. So this guy has a story of I'm going skiing and maybe he has a family there or something. Maybe he's married to a lady there and that's a reasonable story, you know, because I think if I was a spy agency, I want to recruit people, you'd pick the grey man who has a reason to go there and not the goofy traveler who just goes to war zones for fun because that makes no sense, right? of him in my context but this guy probably had a family there he wanted to go skiing he's been there probably a ton of times he's from a he's from norway or netherlands no one has issues with those countries really right and i think that guy could get away with it and he got all the paperwork super quick he obviously paid a bribe and i saw the money side across it was over a thousand dollars and i don't think this guy would pay a thousand dollar bribe to go skiing right so he was something else. Either he was doing urgent business or he was with a major government to do spying work. And I've got to respect it because the guy had everything down to a TV. He was very professional, good man. And, you know, hopefully I see him again, but I never saw him again, of course. And I wasn't going to ask for his contacts. But if I come across another individual like that, which I do occasionally, I will get their contact. Yeah. Yeah, especially because they're with an allied country. Well, what do you want to learn from these people? Well, you do. Why do you want to be a spy? Well, I'm not even a spy, but I want to be more competent, if that makes sense. So I get away with a lot of stuff, but 
every time I go on a trip, it is rolling a dice. And I don't know how many sides it has, but yeah, I mean, what the probability is. Yeah, but... You're walking me through the trips you want to take next year. I'm like, how the fuck are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Like, I want, I want to get away with stuff and have some sort of training. So maybe I know how to handle myself in, say, a fight or gun battle or uh, maybe I have a connection that I can call to get me out of a country. Like, I've got one guy in Afghanistan. He can illegally get me to cross the border back into Pakistan at any point for $15. Like, I've got those connections of our network, but why not get more, right? Yeah. And maybe I don't become a spy, which is most likely because I'm speaking about it on camera, but maybe I have those contacts that can help me, and I can help them in separate ways, um, just become a friend of my own country, which I would love to do. I would love to help my own country, like a patriotic American would love to fight for a real war that makes sense. Do you view what you're doing as helping your own country? Well, at the end of the day, I could help my own country if someone asked me to, and I'm not doing anything that's damaging the country, my home country. I haven't really taken up resources in my country, and I think if I was to be recruited by someone, it would take a few years. You know, they're not going to suddenly go, oh, goofy white boy going to Afghanistan. <laughs> uh, come on board with us. We'll pay you X, Y, Z amount. No, they want to observe me to see how good I do, how open I am, and so on. You know, they, they want to be able to profile maybe 10 years down the line if I'm still doing it. Because then I'm established. Then they go, oh, you could be an informant. And that's why a lot of journalists are seen as spies or ambassadors. I mean, the ambassador to Iran was found taking soil samples. And he's like 80 years old uh, from England or America or something. He was taking soil samples from a nuclear test site. And then he was uh, obviously kicked out. He wasn't executed, but he was you know, made not ambassador anymore. Mm -hmm. And he was 80 years old. And I can imagine he's not been doing it for too long because you know he, he, uh, he messed up quite easily. Yeah. So I think in general... Yeah, there's a lot of moving cogs. Yeah, but again, going back to like working outside the state and finding solutions outside the state, which is what we're very focused on here. So I think your, whatever the fuck you want to call it, your vlog, the the content that you put out there. Yeah. I mean, you go look at the, the comments, like your latest video from... Well, Hollywood? Yeah, where were you? The... It was it was the only film studio in Uganda, the one who made Kill Kill Kill, Kill Captain Alex. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, I mean, like one of the like one of the comments on that video is like, "This is what Vice could have been." So like, I think you're doing a good job in your own way of just high like, bringing different perspectives of these mystical places like Afghanistan. Like that's how you described it earlier, because oh, yeah. mystical to Americans, we've only had. Most of us have only had this perspective of Afghanistan fed to us through the, the propaganda machine. Oh, yeah. When I first went there, I thought, you know, I step outside the hotel, my head explodes from a sniper. Um, it's just going to be a sandy desert when actually most places are green in Afghanistan. And everyone's going to be, you know, uh, an asshole like it's uh, Lord of War or War Dogs or something if you see them on Netflix. But generally, people want to do business with you. Uh, people are kind. There's some lovely areas. I would say I feel safer in a lot of parts of Afghanistan. Of course, there are dangerous areas, but the place I feel safe in, a good majority of it, I feel safer than I do in, say, uh, Brooklyn. Or the other bad parts of Brooklyn, of course. Yeah. And people are kinder and obviously more intelligent than people from Brooklyn in general in Afghanistan. Yeah, people in New York aren't that nice. No, no, they're assholes. Yeah. I get that from any major city in the West in general. Everyone's very stuck up. If you smile at them like a stranger on the streets, they act like you kill their dog or something in front of them, you know. Um, they're very self-centered, uh, very uptight. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, again going back to like empire spreading and spreading democracy. It's this weird situation we find ourselves like again where we here in the United States, a propaganda machine has done such a good job of portraying and instilling in people like we're the best, we're the most free, we're yeah. the nicest. These people are evil. But again, the content that you're producing really brings a different perspective that allows people to be like, huh, maybe it's not exactly what is being portrayed by our propaganda machine here in the U.S. and just oh, yeah. in the West in general. And going back to like helping your country, you're not necessarily helping the British government or MI6. No, I'm not a spy. <laughs> or whatever it may be, but you're helping British citizens get a perspective that hopefully with repetition and getting more perspectives from more spaces like Uganda, Sudan, oh, yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn, uh, to, to highlight another aspect of it, but like to, to have people have an idea and something in their brain, oh, maybe this isn't Too what I've been told it was. And if that's the case, what else am I being lied to about? And if that's the case, can I really trust this government? And maybe you are doing the British people a, a service by helping them expand their minds in that capacity to have the confidence to point at their government and be like, oh, you're actually not helping me. I think the best way to help a country is to show it's good enough that you can do business. You can do business there without issue. Free trade, baby. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's like the whole reason Afghanistan is doing too well is because you know it's been on life support from Russia and uh, then America for like the last 40, 50 years. Me going there and doing some trade there, the biggest trade in the United Kingdom. Well, biggest exporter. Yeah, exactly. The biggest export. It's hilarious. But I just walked in. Were you the biggest importer? You're both exporter and yeah, importer. Well, technically, the money I paid for those goods, my account is imported too. That's not belongs to, say, the UN or the World Food Program, but there's a chance. But with that stuff, if people see me doing business there and bringing money to this country, money flowing through, it's going to help the people of Afghanistan. If someone comes there and goes, well, Miles is doing it, I have this idea. And he hasn't died when he steps foot in that country. If maybe I'll do my research, I'll pop down there because the idea's on my mind now. It seems pretty safe. Obviously, it's you know, a little bit dangerous because why not? It still is Afghanistan. I can take the risk. And if I say it was a successful business, then the Afghan people get more money. I get the money and the, the domino happens, you know. It's like when these African nations like, um, like Uganda as well. For Uganda, it's for China of Africa. They've started opening up and most people have started going there for uh, medium to high mass production of simple goods now. And now it's a rich country than it was before. It's like the Taliban are now seeking legitimacy on the global stage. Back in the 90s when they took over country, a lot of stuff was illegal. So Afghanistan was a black hole of communication. So if you want to do business there, there was not a single phone that would work apart from, say, a satellite phone. But those were illegal and they still are, unless you have a permit. But there was not a single phone in that country. Not internet, forget about it. So you couldn't make a call outside the country. There was no emails, no internet. Um, there was no communication with the outside world. You'd have to pay a guy on a horse to go all that way. I mean, even if you go back to the 70s, there was no roads to Pakistan, you know. You would have to physically go on a horse, like in Rambo. Have you seen Rambo 3? He doesn't drive to Kabul for his mission. He goes on a horse. And in the last 40 years, you've gone from cars being illegal and women not being allowed to go in cars because it causes them orgasms and sexual perversion. Now, that was the actual belief to women can drive in cars now 
and women could be in public. Like they used to actually, the Taliban in the 90s used to go up to men and wrap their pubes around a stick. And if it wouldn't wrap around long enough, they would conclude they've shaved their pubes and then beat them. Oh, yeah, shit. that's what it used to be. Now they're on TikTok, right? So you think like the Taliban are really backwards. That's what loads of people think. That's not, not what I think. My problem is I think the CIA started the Taliban. Most likely, yeah. They funded it, uh, thinking short term. But the Taliban have gone a lot more liberal. And obviously they want to be legitimate with the outside and money is flowing through a lot more. And they want legitimacy. So I have high hopes for Afghanistan because there's a lot of business to be done there, like with any newly independent country. There's a lot that can be done. And there are good people there that want to help you out. If you went there in the 90s, just straight up killed or imprisoned. Yeah. Yeah, so 40 years of social development, that's pretty good. No, that is pretty good. Yeah, but again, you can't be dealing with the Taliban. Well, they're not considered a terrorist organization anymore. By the US, the UK. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I don't know. I've never met the Taliban, but I'm just putting forth the, the Western view. We're not supposed to deal with it. Well, there's two options in Afghanistan now. There's ISIS-K, because the Northern Alliance is a resistance group. They're not going to win. They're not going to win. It's like, yeah, it's their CIA-backed, but very liberal. So you've got ISIS-K, a version of ISIS, uh, very extreme, and they hop over to, to Pakistan through those illegal trade routes that I've been offered through. They arm themselves in Peshawar, this little border town, and then they jump over and cause terrorist attacks. Right, And they bomb mosques as very strict Muslims. So in Afghanistan, if you Google Afghan bombing, you'll get a bombing happen every two days. And I sometimes am in a city and I see a little puff of smoke, and I know, oh, there's been a bombing in a mosque. I know I'll never be bombed because they don't bomb the streets, they bomb mosques. But there's two options. Either the Taliban rule the country, and I think maybe in 100 years they become very westernized, very liberal, and they still have their beliefs, but they become like, let's say, uh, Dubai maybe or something. Because yeah. they could be very rich. They're mineral rich, this country is. And it's a very beautiful country too, so tourism could be viable. Or ISIS take, comes over and takes over, and they'll be worse than any, any other group. Yeah, they take it in the very conservative yeah. direction. Yeah, it'd be like Mosul over again. And do you think the, the ISIS? Another thing was that the U.S. government too. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, it, it was like uh, what's it was Saudi as well. Uh, Saudi that funded it, and we're still doing business with them for oil. And you're like, well, you funded nine eleven. That shouldn't be in the U.S.'s interest, you know. But because they've got oil, the economics makes sense. Yeah, it's such a messed up situation. If any outside looks into it, they'll be confused for about five hundred pages of research. Yeah, and that's another thing. Going back to like the Mexican, U.S., Canadian alliance, like we have so much fucking oil between and natural gas between the three of us. Like, oh yeah. If you really care about nine eleven, you yeah. know the Saudis did fund it. Yeah. And now we're begging Saudis for oil. I would invade. Like, I would invade Canada technically if I was the U.S. But that's enough topic. But invade it. You got all the oil. Well, we definitely need to save them from Justin Trudeau. Oh, of course, yeah. Screw that guy. He's retarded. Well, he's not retarded. He's just evil. He's a weft yeah. plant. Yeah, I, I would. You I'm, guys just got a weft plant. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, our country sucks. I'm not going to pretend England is good or better than the US because it's not. I mean, the old empire used to be great. Like, I like the old England, but now it's calf cooked. There's some opportunity there, but, ah, you know, it's bad. And I see the US going down that route, but anyway. Can we be saved here, do you think? Yes. But at the same time, it, it's 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 not guaranteed. It's not like uh, people are suddenly going to stand up because they haven't. You've gone from Californians in 2011. I'm here. Yeah, you've, I'm trying to stand up. Stand up, but what have you, you're doing good, but, you know, I'm not saying do another Jan 6th. 
because Jan Sif wasn't enough. But I'm saying, in general, there's only small moves that are being done compared to the big moves that are being done by the evil people. In 10 years, you've gone from California in, say, 2012 or 2010, where their census says about 80 to 90% are against gay marriage. Now, 100% are for it. That is a 10-year change on such a large scale. So imagine another 10 years. So conservatives nowadays, this is the issue, conservatives haven't conserved their beliefs. Because if you look at the conservative beliefs in the early 2000s, if you told them about uh, drag kids or kids taking hormones, they'll be like, oh, that's obviously retarded. We, we should, that's like child abuse. We'll just kill you if you did that. Rightfully so. But nowadays, they're like, um, kids should transition at age 12, not age 10. That's ridiculous. They're becoming more liberal. So nowadays, the conservatives don't conserve anything. And true conservatives like you, the good ones, do conserve their beliefs. But the ones that are in power aren't doing enough. Like Trump's views aren't controversial to me. That In fact, they're a little bit too liberal. But Yeah, again, I don't yeah. think... I don't think we're going to solve this via the federal government. You can't vote your way out yeah. of this problem. I think what must That's happen... It. And this is the sad truth, like Ted K says, there must be a lot of social unrest to the point where people aren't content with big fat bellies, both food-wise and social-wise, but also money-wise. And then people have gone, got to take drastic action. I think the most drastic action you can take is just get married, have children, and raise a good family. I think so, but that's a time scale too. I, mean, I think the most drastic action would be well, do what you're doing, set up decentralized platforms and institutions that can change for big guns eventually yeah that as well i'm all about peace i just want to raise my family i don't want social unrest though it certainly make the case that it may be inevitable due to the trends yeah and how much momentum they have and the rhetoric that's being spun out on both sides of the aisle like i, I yeah i'm probably fiscally conservative would be considered socially conservative, but not like crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm socially conservative in the fact that like I believe in the nuclear family, and of course, yeah. I don't think we should be chopping off 14 year old uh, children's uh, breast. Well, I believe uh, my beliefs are falling with the 2010 Californian majority, if I have to put it like that. And I have a lot of other beliefs that you know, would make sense 200 years ago, but nowadays, no. But I think for a drastic change to happen, you do need uh, a lot of unrest because you can't upset the system that quickly without having people pull out their money and resources and supply chains being done. And I would I'd wish the transition could be so peaceful to a better world that we want and no one gets hurt and nothing go, bad goes wrong. But I understand the reality. So either things change very slowly and then there's a lot of back and forth or something something well, goes bad. I also have this belief. Like I, this is contrarian. I'm not contrarian for contrarian's sake, but I, I just completely believe that the power structure in power right now. Well, they definitely got some big wins during COVID. They went too too much too fast, and I think they're 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 so that they fucked up with COVID. They fucked up with all this like transgender shit and trying to put porn in elementary schools. And then they most importantly, they fucked up the financial system beyond repair. There's no fixing it. And so you have, among other things, food, energy, they fucked up everything yeah. all at once. And I don't think they're going to be able to continue uh, the charade moving forward. It's going to collapse 
in and of itself, just under the weight of the the mass incompetence that's been building for decades. Oh yeah. And again, like I'm optimistic. I think there's a peaceful way forward. I don't think when it comes to like individual Americans, like the average Joe, I think what's becoming clear and it's a good thing is that like we really have more in common with each other than the politicians who are trying to propagandize with this shit. Of course. That's why you need one coherent society with the same values and same direction, same identity in general. I mean, it's like, um, for example, in Africa, if you change the borders, like have a British did, and they drew a line somewhere, and then that border um, became unfavorable because it cut ethnic lines and combined uh, different groups that didn't get on. You know, everyone moans about the UK doing that, and they go, wow, British Empire was so dumb. They caused so much conflict in Africa. But if you do that in the US, it's called, uh, you know, diversity is our strength in general. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the thing happening in Europe too. We've got loads of people who don't agree with our beliefs that anything really. And it's just destroying the society in general. That's why democracy does work. And I think that's one, what one philosopher said. I can't remember who it is. Why but democracy does work or doesn't? It only works if you have a, a set group of people. It only works at a certain scale. Yeah. Well, if the scale of a group of a people are the ones who mostly agree with each other, let's say 50% of the beliefs, they agree with one another, and uh, the ones that they don't agree with, it's very small changes. You know, it's, you know, that democracy makes sense because they're all one group of people that have evolved together. The thing with globalization is it's it's imported terrible ideas that anyone could just fall into. Like, for example, uh, if a 14-year-old girl goes on uh, Tumblr back in the day in 2014, and they start going to that mindset of communism and social justice, and when they go into the real world and they meet those people that are similar, they go have a completely different ideology that would be laughed at in the 1960s in the US. And that's why now you've got different fractions of people that can't agree on one thing. So you've got, say, uh, on a on an axis uh, of you know, uh, libertarianism, right-wing, left-wing, socialist, and now people are just dragging to either side. Each group is fighting for power, and then the problems don't get solved. Whereas the one country, let's say, that has a, a, a very clear identity and maybe enemy or you know, uh, direction, they know exactly where to go. And if you're working in one direction, at least you're getting stuff done. Yes. I can agree with that. Yeah, and that's the one good thing about the US. They are good at integrating different groups of people. Europe well, is not. So this is like... like I was lost in thought there because there's a perfect example of. So if we, I I think there's like a, a color revolution going on here in the United States, driven by communism. The, the, who knows who's pulling the strings? Is the World Economic Forum is China or Russia doing so? Who cares? It's just happening. We need to recognize that, and they're thrusting all these socially liberal things and fiscal, fiscally liberal things at people at the same time. And going back to my point earlier, where I think it's going to collapse in and of itself on its own way because it can't have all the plates spinning on the, they're, they're losing control of the plates spinning on the, the poles that they're trying to do like the circus act with like a perfect example is what's going on in Michigan right now in their public schooling system, where you find these hardcore progressives sort of, clutching their pearls and they they really don't understand what's going on because what you had in Dearborn, Michigan specifically, they've they've had a, a very big Muslim community 
um, build up in Dearborn, Michigan. And uh, what you're finding is you, you have the conservative Christians and the conservative Muslims teaming up against like the progressive people who have taken over their school system. Yeah. And there's been this big ongoing debate for the last couple of months in Dearborn, Michigan, like many um, meetings with the school board and, and the public uh, that have been videotaped and spread on the internet of uh, these parents, conservative Muslims and conservative Christians getting together and trying to get all the, the pornographic books taken out of the libraries that are like basically teaching kids yes. how to give blowjobs and interact in like sexually deviant actions in, in middle school. And it's hilarious because the progressives who are trying to keep it in saying this is what being open and yeah. uh, teaching kids to be accepting Screw is all that. about. And, and you have... Uh, the Muslim parents being like, fuck no. Like, yeah. I do not want my kid anywhere near this. Not only when they're a kid, but when they're adults as well. Like, I don't want, we shouldn't be thinking about these sexual, sexually deviant things. Similarly with the Christian parents. And then you had the progressives who are turning around and it's actually highlighting just how these people really don't care about diversity or equality. They care about brute forcing their control onto the rest of us. They're turning around to the Muslims and saying, hey, we were very supportive of you guys when you guys immigrated in here. Like we fought for diversity and letting you in. Now you're coming yeah. into our, uh, we let you in. And this is the progressive saying this, like we let you in and now you're you're trying to like imbue your conservative views on us. Oh yeah. Like they're in this fucking mental like conniption. They, they, they can't, they're completely They, they don't understand it. No. Yeah. It's something that kind of, makes me laugh about progressives. They don't understand real Muslim beliefs. If you speak to a Muslim who's out, you know, not Western Muslim, if you speak to anyone in Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, basically most of North Africa, they'll just tell you straight up, oh yeah, we should throw gays off buildings. They'll straight up say stuff like that. And those are people that they, they believe for some reason that Muslims would agree with a transgender, a gay agenda, all this other stuff. And they don't understand that Muslims are very firm in their beliefs, so rightfully so, and that's how all Christians should be like, and that's what I'm like. You should be very firm in your beliefs and carry it on to the next generation and so on. So the Muslims aren't budging here. It's just a funny sign against the people who are being these people in like the leftists. They don't understand Muslim beliefs and they don't understand that they're not compatible with their beliefs. Complete opposites, actually. Um... Like, you know, you see what's happened in Iran with the protests going on, that lady who took off her hijab or had it like a halfway off or whatever, and they uh, t got taken in by the uh, by the police and then just beat her to death. You see that stuff, that stuff's normal in Iran all the time. If it happened here, you know, the leftists would, if they weren't labeled Muslims, they would label them right-wing extremists. Yeah. It's a funny stuff, but it's gonna be a win for us for that, you know, not having porn in class. But no one really asks why is this happening in the first place? Like we shouldn't even get to the point where we have to defend ourselves. Because the issue is when you have a set amount of beliefs on being right wing, right? These leftists are always gonna be here wanting some socialist nonsense. You, you know, whatever it is, transgender children or everyone having equal rights, that type of stuff, I don't know. So they have these beliefs and no matter what, someone is gonna get the idea of a right wing community, pick up a left wing one, and they inch a little bit closer to the left side. And then down the generations, no matter what, unless if the right-wing people get more right-wing, which they are starting to now, but back in the day we weren't, they're going to get more left-wing, no matter what. So it's still going to be labelled right-wing. It's why right-wing people 
Yeah, it just um, pulls the spectrum over. Yeah, and yeah exactly. It, it gets pulled over. So the conservatives who believe they can just conserve their beliefs as the world changes are fools. They've got to get more stern in their beliefs and also translate them to the modern world. Like, for example, the internet transition wasn't handled correctly because you know, loads of people, conservative families, had their children going on porn sites. I mean, the average age of exposure for porn is 12 years old. You know what it does to the brain? Like, screw it. I, I saw porn when I was like 11. And everyone in my school did. It was a big mistake for the world. So these people aren't adapting strongly enough to the internet, which is left-wing on the surface of it, right-wing where there's no moderation, which is quind of funny. But these, these right-wing people and the conservatives or people with common sense, godly people, because if you're godly, you are right-wing to some degree, See, conservative. I, I, like, I mean, people are labeling as conservative, but I just like to, I don't like to, like again, throw labels... I just want to be left alone. I like to think of myself as a common sense guy. Like I just want to yeah, raise my family, raise them right, teach my boys manners, teach if I ever have daughters how to respect themselves and search for men that will respect them. Exactly. I want to live in a world with sound money. I want to live in a world with free speech. Like mm. it's, If I had to distill my politics to that, that's probably what it is. I, I feel the same way. To be fair, if I had say a million dollars in cash right now, I would buy a ton of land out in the middle of nowhere, but close enough to some resources in a nice area, build my own house, which I've researched how to do. I, I do have like a small idea on how to do it. And I think I could figure it out with enough time and resources and get married to my girlfriend, who I love very much down the road and become very self-reliant on say energy and foods with only a little bit of outside influence because I can't isolate myself completely. And I'll be near a Christian community. A good For me, I'm Catholic, but I'll be near a Catholic community or very least a Christian community. And the Bible does say you got to engulf yourself in these communities that are truly Christian. And then I'll do all my transactions, transactions through a decentralized cryptocurrency, which does make perfect sense. That's the only way nowadays. Or cash, if I have to, but most likely cryptocurrency. Bitcoin. Yeah. But I know at some point someone will roll up to my door and go, oh, excuse me, sir, you cannot uh, drink that raw milk. Uh, you need to pasteurize it and go through our treatment process and add red 40 soy-based uh, preservatives and also these cancer-causing chemicals and so on. And I would rather live in a world where I can isolate myself knowing that people agree with my beliefs, the right beliefs in general. And I wouldn't be bothered but if I isolate myself, I know at some point someone's going to knock on my door like the Nazis did and try and impose my beliefs, their beliefs, sorry, on them. So that's why I worry about. And that's why every servant in America has a ton of guns and has a backpack they can just run away with when something goes bad because they know at some point they can't be left alone completely. I, I love that dream. I love that to happen to myself. But I've got to fight both fronts. I've got to live in complete isolation if I can with Starlink independence, with with a nice Christian community and also fight so the leftism doesn't take over and communism starts spreading and then suddenly I'm on my own because then it's too late. Yeah. Communism always loses in the end. Yeah, true. But it does have a lot of collateral damage. Well, it's, a, it's a loser ideology. If you look at communist Twitter posts and then you look at a profile picture, it's always someone who has... A bad receding hairline, and if you got a receding hairline, maybe it's because you're hey, high hey. testosterone in general. I mean, look at my hairline. I've got it's a bad, receding. I've got a bad receding yeah. hairline. Yeah, hairline. but these people, they don't have a reason for it because they're eating complete nonsense. They don't exercise. They're low testosterone people, and it's not even a meme. Uh, you know, there was a study done that I found 
I said, if you give a left-wing person more testosterone, they become more conservative, which is funny enough. And that's why we've got receding hairlines in general, because we're actually hardworking and you know we've actually got all this stuff going on, or maybe it's just biology. These people just look like leftists in general. There is a physiology that does make sense. Most of these accounts are just very skinny or very fat people who don't look after themselves, don't respect themselves. And we have that wispy look with a big nose and the thin lips and the untanned face because they don't do manual work, do they? You know, they're communists. Um, and they're, they, they're academics who evolve themselves in a small niche subgroup so they can be in charge of it and say they're the most uh, intellectual when it comes to lesbian dance theory or something. Lesbian dance. Yeah, because they've got a revenge fantasy. Imagine growing up in 80s America and they're like, oh, geez, uh, all these jocks are like taking over the place because they're so sociable and they're actually physically attractive. I've got a revenge fantasy where I'm going to become so academically smart and clever because that's why I measure success by, by piece of paper given to me by universities. And I'll be the winner. And the jock, you know, he, he goes on, most of them go on uh, to do good things or become normal people. And a lot of them actually do very well. You know, the idea of a, uh, a jock becoming a deadbeat, not always. Sometimes it happens, but generally they do live good lives because they are sociable people. They're good with other people and they have good routines because they exercise a lot and have discipline. And then the leftists will go into a university and indulge themselves and get rewarded for their research when their research actually, they're not really interested in the research themselves. They're just interested in becoming the best at something and school is the only channel they'd know in general. And going into a university and doing research doesn't always require, it doesn't require social skills. No. So you get a lot of geniuses that are really autistic in some ways and they indulge themselves in that way. And then after they've got high up in the university, like you see, they become very leftist and start trying to impose their ideals. But in the real world, they have no skills they, whatsoever. Yeah, they've never actually... They're all theoretical academics that their worldview exists on the papers they write. Yeah, it's why you've got no leftists who work in, uh, work in farming. You know, the farmers are right-wing because they actually have to put in a lot of effort. And they've got to negotiate contracts and do a lot of manual labor. Yeah. Do you think this left wing, right wing, I mean, obviously it exists, but do you think it's productive to, like, that's what I worry about with like, and, that, and that's why I try to like take a step back and say, hey, my, I don't like politics. I don't like being labeled one way or the other. I'm a simple man. I just wants to raise a family, teach my kids manners, teach them to be virtuous. Yes. Teach them to think critically, think for themselves, live free. As long as you're not messing with me, you're not harming anybody else, I'm okay with that. Like, like that's what I worry about, particularly here in the United States. Like left versus right, left versus right, left versus right. Like it's gotten to such a point where people identify like left or right, where I don't think it's productive. Well, it's not as clean cut as they say. You're right on that point. Yeah. But you've got to categorize people some way because if you describe all your beliefs, you're gonna be there for hours, right? And most people do fall into a few camps in general. And that's why you got the conservative and democratic parties because people can categorize themselves. So for me, I wouldn't be conservative in general. I would be conservative in beliefs. And that's where I would roughly fall in. But I've got outlying beliefs and some other stuff. So I think at first you would identify yourself as something and then expand upon it. But at the same time, what I worry about is you've got to make it known about who you are in general. Because that, you can't hide away in general. So... If you grow children, 
and they're growing up, I mean, you got to send them to school because most people can't homeschool because it's expensive uh, to take that time out of your day. And most people have their wife working a job too because um, it's become a lot more expensive to live in the modern world. So you have to send them to a school. And for six to eight hours a day, those kids are surrounded by leftist teachers who install communist liberal ideals on them without you knowing. That's why you come across you know, this gay porn stuff inside schools nowadays, you know, and all that stuff is probably subtler than we think, and we haven't discovered that stuff yet. So that gets put in their mind, and then for two hours a day, they're on their phones, and no matter how well you filter it, they come across some very weird beliefs or very dodgy, harming content. Like, they come across porn, they come across some radicals, they come across a beheading video. I came across tons of those back in the day. Like, I would be scrolling through iPhone, and I would find an ISIS beheading video, and then My Little Pony post, and then a city hypnosis post, and, you know, that would damage you. And then you'll spend a few hours with your parents, but then, like most teenagers, they don't want to speak to their parents a lot of the time. So, I mean, you've raised your kid as well as you can, but no matter what, they will grow towards the wrong ideology that's not godly or not productive. And maybe they'll correct themselves, but a lot of them will go quite badly. Like, imagine you have a daughter and then she goes to university and then she gets shit-faced every night through drinking and then she gets fucked by 50 men. Excuse my language, but that's what's going to happen. And I don't want that to happen to my daughter or my son or anyone. I want to make sure, no matter what, they have good opinions. And they... Because there's some things, category, that are correct. Like, you know, don't fuck 50 people in your first year of university. That That makes sense. And no one's going to tell me otherwise or debate with me or convince me that that should be their choice. No, no, no. I, as a parent, I'm responsible for how they turn out. And, you know, they're not going to be little me's, but damn well, they're going to get close to being it. And I'm going to inform them so they can make right decisions when the world changes, when I'm not you know, young, of course. So I will make sure these people don't go into these institutions and become complete retards. So in general, I cannot keep my head in the sand, just raise them as good as I can because I know they'll have outside influences that are almost greater or equal to my influence, which overall will have a result of uh, negativity on their lives. No, I completely agree. So but, my, so that gets to yeah. my point. Like I think, again, that's opt out. You don't get stuck in the morass of debating left versus right, left versus right. It's like, all right. I'm done debating. Like, I'm just going to go do, I'm going to opt out of this and just go build my family. It's an individual decision at the end of the day, right? Like, you're never yeah. going to solve this political debate on the national or global level. Like, someone, someone might. But if you do that, you have to give up a lot, you know? It's like, um, it's like you heard about how bad Weimar Germany was, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, then a few people corrected it but then it went completely terribly in the opposite direction oh yeah yeah exactly well that's the beauty yeah. of our modern age like we do not obviously want another world war ii another hitler and that's what like all this rhetoric is leading toward i can and, see it happening yeah and that's yeah i mean that's yeah. what scares the shit out of me it's like that's what all this is leading toward like we really need to instill and that's what i tried to do with this podcast why we focus on bitcoin is don't get dragged down with that ship, opt out with Bitcoin and alternative schooling and going and shaking your rancher's hand and getting beef directly from him and working on your health and opting out 
at every area you can. Because if not, if you get stuck on the stage of shit flinging between left and right, left and right, you're going to go down with that ship because it doesn't allow you to take action. You're basically depending on others. You're allocating action to politicians and others, school boards, whoever it may be, to to produce the outcome that you want. Yeah. Where that's, you're, if you're being honest with yourself, you're really not holding yourself accountable. You're trying to allocate that work to somebody else. But if you want to get a job done, you got to do it yourself. Yeah. And in the context of this, discussion, this overarching political debate that's going on, not only here in the U.S., but it's happening globally. Um, like People think they can vote their way out of this. It's like, no, just yeah. make a decision, stack some sats, get some Bitcoin, spin up your own full node, go shake your rancher's hand, take your kids out of public school, get together with a group of parents who uh, recognize this as well and want to educate their kids. They want to teach them math, science, get them outside playing, uh, teach them logic, teach them all this stuff and not have to worry about any of the bullshit in public schools that are dumbing people down. Exactly. And that's like the peaceful transition. Mm. But it does take agency. It does take individuals taking responsibility, having the hard conversation with themselves. Oh, this isn't going to be easy. I'm not just going to sit back and this is going to happen. Like I actually have to make a concerted effort. Have you seen the Mormons in, I think it's West America. I don't know what state. Utah. Yeah. They use Bitcoin quite a bit as well. That's that started growing too. They're using cryptocurrencies for their little economies because they know at some point the U.S. government would go after them for what they're doing. Yeah. Like um, the pasteurized milk that was banned. Uh, sorry, that was encouraged. You have to pasteurize your milk. You can't drink raw milk, or the FDA will be on you. No, you're you're paying the health insurance for your own mistakes, so you should be able to do it and sell and buy whatever the hell you want yeah. to some degree. So it wasn't always called raw milk. It was called milk for thousands of years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it's just normal milk. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it literally wasn't until right, what, though, like three yeah. or four decades yeah. ago. And I've tried, I've tried raw milk. It's delicious. Like it's the best milk I've had, and it doesn't mess with my stomach in general. Um, so these people are doing these transi- transactions now through decentralized networks that you're encouraging, which are the best way out of it. Yeah, I feel works. like we need to have the Bitcoin conversation. Though. Do you recognize that? Oh yeah, Bitcoin is the signal, and everything else is noise. I saw oh, you had a ripple. Yes. I saw you had a Ripple address up online at some point. Yes, yes, some point. Stay away from that shit. Yeah, I, I was at Coinbase at one point because, when you know, it was like 2018. I was like, oh, you know, I've heard of this crypto thing. I'm 18 years old. Yeah, I'll look into it. And I just set up a Coinbase account, invested a little bit with my portfolio. And I was like, you know, this is good. And then I realized after my Coinbase account got taken down, they couldn't give me a reason, by the way, but maybe it's because it's like going, I'm going to war zones and helping people. That you know, God forbid I help people in these countries through cryptocurrency. Um, I, I've moved to like so many different niche networks, which are now growing in prominence that you use as well and are encouraging. And it solves so many issues. Like if I got cash on me, oh well, the uh, the Kenyan police can confiscate it and steal my money. They're not gonna access my my uh, crypto account, <laughs> you know, in general. Um, if I need something paid for, and I don't want to leave a cash trail, cryptocurrency what solves everything. It's the safest way that I can go through with my travels it's universal too because everyone has a cell phone in Africa and Afghanistan and it's just so easy now it's so much easier and you're right it's so much better I mean screw using my bank accounts I mean I have to use it sometimes because I've got a business but damn I'm moving away from it as soon as I can 
Yeah, I'm going to try and get you on the uh, the stack so you can use BTC Pay server. Oh, please do. I want to go on the stack so I can start stacking literally. <laughs> yes, but I want to... We need to have, like, do you understand there's a difference between Bitcoin and crypto? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, uh, Bitcoin's just a crypto. But I'd use Bitcoin. No, Bitcoin's the only one that's actually legitimate. Oh, yeah, all the, well, all the others are sometimes just, uh, you know, pump a dumps. It's just a random project that's just a meme, like Dogecoin in general. Yeah, they're LARPs. So yeah, exactly. And to be fair, like, you can make money off the LARPs and maybe may useful for a year because they use in general. But there are only some that actually have a real use that can be applied for the real technical world. Because if you look into it, you know, the math and the advantages of from it do make a lot of sense with well, it's really Bitcoin. A- we're, you said you can make money off the LARPs. We're making money with Bitcoin, literally redefining money and all the, like, even the, the second biggest cryptocurrency, Ethereum. Yeah. Well, it's, all it's the, a LARP. Yeah. I mean, all the others are just gambling. Like, oh, has a no, they're not, not only are they gambling, they're, they're trying to position themselves as like Bitcoin, where it's just completely not true. Like Ethereum right now, I believe it was yesterday, 100 blocks in a row were validated by regulated exchanges that are OFAC compliant. So that's not a decentralized yeah. cryptocurrency. Like if these things are going to be successful, and I would argue only one is going to be successful, that's Bitcoin, it has to be sufficiently distributed. It has to be sufficiently robust against potential state attacks. Of course, yes. And so I would caution when I see you with like a ripple address and like send me, there's like one ripple node in the world. Oh, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sell that ripple and turn it into something useful. Yeah, when yeah, I can. yeah but I mean, it's not the perfect way, but... You know, I have to cater to those people who would send me Ripple and won't send me uh, Bitcoin in general. You should demand better from your from your audience. Uh, it'll take time, but yeah. Yeah. My my audience are lovely people, though. I, I love them so much. They seem to be shit corners. Somewhat, yeah. What the <laughs> Zoomers and what they see is, you know, imagine nowadays it'll take you 40 years to buy a house uh, in a city and, you know, it, you have to get into like huge debt to go to university. And that's the path they see. And then they see, oh, my friend Jake, he uh, he invested a thousand pounds, like pocket change to them because they're mid- middle class maybe, into this shit coin. And then it turned to hundred thousand and now his life's set. Screw it. Uh, either that money's going to go towards student finance and I'm going to be screwed. I might as well just gamble my money because well, it does happen sometimes. Most yeah, people lose it. Most people, they are gambling. 99% of traders lose money. Yeah. Because I used to work in, I work investment banking. I used to work with two Chinese firms and we would used to do a. Um, Excel analysis with a team of, t- my team was about 10, 12 people and we would do analysis um, on certain assets or certain stocks and it would just be very intensive maths. You would do uh, 50 different resources. I would call up about 50 different people asking them these technical questions and then it would only make sense and then we would get a number and then we would add uncertainty above it. And these these people, these like 17, 18 year olds go, pee pee poo poo coin, funny name, <laughs> bye. And it sometimes does work, but most people do lose it. But you only focus, you only hear about the news about the person who's 17 years old who made a million dollars from YOLOing his money. But you don't hear about the uh, million people in comparison that have lost their money. Yes. Yeah. That's why we say stay humble, stack sets. Exactly. Like, I understand if you've got screw you money, I might just drop like a thousand pounds in in the equivalent of Vegas in the crypto world. But damn right, I'm not doing it any point, anytime soon, and most people shouldn't. Yeah. In fact, everyone shouldn't. It's just throwing away money. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes to like what you're doing, like, like <laughs> for the sedan trip, I think we can talk about it. I mean, oh, absolutely. I helped you get your sponsor, um, Samurai Wallet. Yeah, but thank like, you. 
you were telling me, you're like, yeah, I'm using my Coinbase wallet to do all this stuff. I'm like, you should yeah, not be doing that. Yeah, exactly. You're going to get yanked. And sure enough. Yeah. I don't have a Coinbase anymore. Um, but I think for you, like, that's why, I mean, I don't want to put the pressure on you, but I think you have an incredible opportunity considering the audience that you do have. It's one of the most engaged audiences I've ever seen. If you guys haven't seen Lord, Lord Miles's YouTube channel, go check it out. You get crazy amount of comments and people are just like, this is fucking incredible content. Yeah. And I mean, maybe people would say I'm biased, which I most certainly may be. I've got a lot of financial capital, social capital, professional capital tied up with Bitcoin specifically, but it's because I earnestly believe that Bitcoin is our one shot at fixing the money. Everything else is noise. And again, I don't want to put pressure on you, but I do think you have an immense opportunity to properly educate your audience which is far beyond the bitcoin bubble that we find ourselves in on this show um to 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 make a a material like push to getting this technology into people because your audience is global as well around the world and doing it the right way that's why i'm happy that lou linked this up and i was able we did our first episode a few months ago and after that, you told me, like, what, because you were using Bitcoin, tell me, how are you using it? I was like, no, you're going to get fucked here. Like, you need to, yeah. For specifically for what you do, you need to use Samurai Wallet because it has all these privacy tools that oh, yeah. you are going to need as you're spending Bitcoin. When I was first looking through Samurai Wallet, I, I saw all the steps they took to make sure everything's safe. And it felt like I was walking into a bank vault in the best way possible. It was, it was perfect. And I was like, this solves every potential issue, every potential issue. And Coinbase is screwing me over Samurai Wallet just works in general. It's so simple. has a million different features. Um, security is top notch. And I was thinking, well, this is game changer. Like before I hadn't fully looked into it. And when I'm driving on a bumpy road to South Sudan, I'm listening to your podcast and I'm looking through Samurai and everything and going through some tutorials. I'm like, well, this opens a different world. And as I go to more war zones and dangerous places, when say Ukraine, the ATMs ran out, I could pay people through cryptocurrency for something instead of having to wire some money, which wouldn't work anyway because all the Western Union shop owners have abandoned the place. It's it's perfect. You have an internet connection. It just yeah comes together here. Yeah, it's the future. Exactly, the future's here now. And you can say like you could I could see you getting Kanye West one day. I hope so. JP or whoever the fuck you're using Barclays like just says hey we don't like what you're doing bank account done. Well, I think that'll be a badge of honor really. But that's going to happen for sure. Like, I've got a few people who hate me. It's like, well, I go to war zones. I who say, hates what, you? Leftist people, mostly. Yeah. Leftist people. Um, They're like, oh, you go to war zones of fun. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I, I do a ton of charity work there. I donate more money. And the money that gets given to me, 100% goes towards the charity that I say it would. So, uh, for example, you give money to, uh, I don't know, Breast Cancer Research UK. This is a good example. And then about 50% of the money that you give will go towards the salary of the top board members, CEOs, and then only about 10% will actually go towards the cause. For UN, it's like 1%. So this refugee camp I was in, uh, they get given billions a year. There's 200,000 residents. All of them should be rich. Now they live in mud huts and they have one water pump. Internet isn't free, of course. Um, you know, they, they don't have physics in school. They've cut physics to have the funding. Um, they have nothing. They literally have no paved roads in a refugee camp. And you think, well, after being open for 20 years and billions of dollars, you should have something. But if it was cryptocurrency, you know, people would get the money they deserve in general. Yeah. And it goes directly towards them. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what I do in general. Um, and people hate it to some degree. Uh, big institutions, they cut my coin base because I went to... What Afga- was their justification for that? They wouldn't give me a reason, but they was, I was saying, well, I went to South Sudan and I did a transaction by giving a kid who wants to go to university $500. And that's a lot of money to me, $500, because my donations for that trip was about 2500 for my followers and... I put a lot of it towards getting uh, this guy a passport and national ID so he can go to university. And I explained it to the guy on the phone. I was like, yeah, I'm just doing charity work here. It's all above board. Here's the proof. And he's like, oh, we, we don't like you doing business there. Uh, it's a very dodgy country. I'm like, well, it's not sanctioned by this stuff. It's nothing illegal. It hasn't been a war for the last few years. And it's just an ordinary person. Here's all the documents you require. Yeah, we, we don't want anything to do with South Sudan. I'm like, well... You know, <laughs> screw it. I, I need a real platform. Yeah. And I was kind of relieved that Coinbase banned me because it means I'm doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now you get to use the tools correctly. So exactly. you don't get into a position because you're going to blow up. Your content is. And you're, oh, my content. <laughs> we meant uh, no. in one of these countries. A euphemism. Uh, yeah. You're going you're gonna to be wildly successful on the content side, I think, just because it's just very intriguing what you're doing you're doing stuff that nobody else is doing and you're again giving the world a perspective in all these different places that people are obviously thirsty for mm. um, and again I think you're going to get censored from payments networks potentially from YouTube and you've got to prepare for that and having a Bitcoin wallet that you actually control is step one in terms of being able to interact oh yeah economically the only way I managed to get my eBay unbanned after just selling the new Afghanistan flags and headbands is actually called for me Islamophobic and Talibanophobic. And they fell for that, but after a while, they're just not going to fall for that nonsense. So what I'm doing with you as well is building um, a platform where I can sell stuff and not be influenced by any uh, hosting sites or anything. I can be independent and make this work. And then as well, I think we'll go through cryptocurrency. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get you yeah. set up on the stack. Yeah. Because it's going to be important. Hopefully, yeah, like we're talking, like the ideas we have around, we can't talk specifically about them right now, but hopefully there's a vision where you can see like, hey, everybody selfish their content. And Yeah, I want to be the Alex Jones of travel. (laughs) It's true though. It's like um, no one... How do you become the Alex Jones of travel? You just go around calling everybody demons around the world? Well, you know, (laughs) well, if I... A lot of people are technically really demons if, if you look at their beliefs and what they try and do. I, I would just call some people straight up evil. You know, they go, oh no, they've got differences and you know, their, their point of view makes sense in some ways from a certain perspective. Now nah, they're evil. They're straight up evil. I, I'm Christian and there's evil in the world and those people are evil. So I would go to these places that no one else wants to go to or won't go to. Snake Island, uh, North Central eventually at some point. Um, going to the border tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to the uh, Mexican border tomorrow just to see some illegals and do a little shoot with some border guards. Would be nice. Hopefully it goes right or wrong. We'll see which which cause the most content. Um, and when I go to this place, I'm very honest. So when I went to Ukraine, this is what happened. This was funny. So I come out of my hotel. I'm 20 miles away from the front lines in Kharkiv, which was the front lines in time in March, April time when I first went and I walk out and I grab a coffee and I'm just researching what's going on for morning and I walk around the corner and there's like I think it's CNN or something one of those sites 
and they have a camera crew and the, the guy or lady speaking into that mic and saying, oh, we're just around the corner. There's a, there's bombings going on. It's a front lines. Things are going really bad. You know, we're, we're risking our lives to get this footage. And I'm looking around. There's a lady, an old lady walking a dog. And there's there's some people just there chilling, drinking coffee and tea. And I'm just there chilling. And I, I, I see in the distance, I can see the front lines, but it's 20, 30 miles away. And I'm walking past these people. I'm like, these people are lying to the face of millions of people. And every news site is like this. Like, most of them don't go really to the front lines. Um, there was about two news sites I saw out of hundreds that actually were telling the truth. So what I did on my YouTube, on my live stream, I was walking around with my camera and I walked in the middle of this live shoot they were doing. Or maybe it wasn't live, but I was walking around the middle of this shoot. And I said, oh, look, even the amateurs are here. Maybe they're telling the truth sometime. And the newscast looks so bloody pissed. They gave me this death stare. And they were staying in a Marriott Hotel, $200 a night in an impoverished country like Ukraine. And they were saying they're going to the front lines when the lady <laughs> was wearing high heels in a war zone. <laughs> you know, she was wearing a, a nice dress and a thin coat. They weren't ready for it. It's like if you look at them, if you're a well-informed person, you know, well, these people aren't really on the front lines. Because if you're the front lines, as a newscast, you'd wear... Uh, a blue helmet or a, a brightly coloured helmet that would say news on it and your car with spray painted saying news so they know they can't bomb you if you're not military and you'd have an ID around your neck at all times and you'd have security with you. These people are just straight up lying. They're evil people. It's and I want to be the Alex Jones where I go there and I go, hey, even if this goes against my agenda, this is the truth. This is what's really happening here. Yeah. I mean, why... Don't compare yourself to Alex. I mean, not saying not saying anything one way or another towards Alex Jones. You should just be Lord Miles. Yeah, I've been carve on, your own path. You are carving your own path. You. you don't even have to compare I, yourself. I to do anybody. have people I'm fans of, really. Um, people I do look up to, and you know, I see like Alex Jones and some bits of him. Not all of it, of course, but some bits of him. I go, well, he's a good man, to some degree. It's like um, I went on. He's been right a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the frogs, the frogs turning gay was actually proven right because yeah. the chemical imbalances in the water with the hormones uh, produced from the, the pill. Fate. Yeah, yeah. So women take the pill, it goes into the water system because they, you know, they pee it out for hormones. And then the water system doesn't filter it. And then that causes issues in, uh, say, the bogs where the water's dumped. And then those hormones go into the food chain. And then it influences the breeding season of frogs and turns some of them into different genders or whatever. And then they turn gay. Yeah. Like, you know, he didn't word it properly, but makes sense yeah they turn into like hermaphroditic yeah exactly it messed up biology and messed up nature and that's what leftists are they um they want to do real science and they want to help the earth but then they provide, provide all these ideas like solar panels all this other stuff which cause a higher global um you know, carbon footprint and real solutions that aren't as fun basically like nuclear power yeah that's a whole nother topic. I mean, if you go to like libs of TikTok, I mean, I don't, don't want to put this on every people person leans left because again, it's a spectrum. But there are these people are legitimately mentally ill. The fact that uh, like the types of and they're teaching our children and oh yeah, they're actively bragging about manipulating our children. Yeah, they they just want to straight up be evil on purpose. But they're like they're mentally ill too. At the end, like, suddenly, like I feel bad for them because like obviously. These people were led astray. Maybe they weren't in a good ho home or family setting, or maybe the state. Yeah, no father indoctrinated them yeah. successfully. 
But uh, you look at, and again, go to lips of TikTok, and all she does is just reproduce, reshare these TikToks that are shared publicly by these people. Oh, yeah. It's not making claims, it's providing evidence for what's actually happened. People get so mad at them ex being exposed. And you think, well, you know, she's, she's just, in the grand scheme of the entire world, she's small, of course. She's not a global leader. Imagine this type of stuff that goes on that we don't hear about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm homeschooling my children at the end of the day. And it'll be cheaper. Like, um, you see a lot of people. Homeschooling's hard. It'll be hard, but it can be done. Because you see all these people, uh, these families too. Ah, uh, geez, well, you know, um, I'm a wife and I'm having two children. And, uh, you know, to, to send them to uh, a private school and then also send them to daycare. That's roughly uh, $60,000 a year. I should get a job so I can afford it. And you're like, well, no, you don't have to get a job to afford it. You can just do it yourself with some training. And if you prepare by reading some parenting books, which I'm doing too, I wanted children by now, but screw it, I can have children anytime because I'm a guy. I'm a bit lucky with that, with biology sense. You got to get married, bro. Yeah, I'm working on it. Trust me. I got to survive to get that point too. So um, I'm trying to build as much wealth as I can as many assets as I can in the long term. And then I'm also reading these parenting books and these homeschooling books. And I'm like, well, that does make sense. And I do have, technically have a degree so I can take a teaching course and take what's good from it. And before the 1800s, before schools were established, everyone did this. So I think if an impoverished peasant could homeschool their child, I could at the end of the day. Like uh, if I retire very early from doing these travels because they can produce a lot of money. I, I'm, a part of me wants to get paid a ton, right? Which makes sense because it's I'm risking my life for a lot of stuff. I wouldn't mind retiring early, like say 35, 40. My goal was 40, but earlier the better, why not? I can just dedicate my time to teaching my children. Like I can make that my full-time job and it is, parenting is a full-time job. Oh yes, it certainly yeah. is. But if I have the resources through raising cryptocurrency and watching it evolve over time. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Well, that's like we were describing. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I don't want to give up too much alpha here, but I think there's certainly an opportunity for you to put your stuff on YouTube and then have stuff that YouTube may ban and put that behind the Bitcoin enabled paywall. Of course, on yes. your site. Of course, I need to get the controversial stuff that I'll end up doing. Stuff that's not illegal or dodgy, but exposing controversial stuff. So, for example, some guy DM'd me, goes, I'm from Libya, mate. If you get to Libya any time, there's a sex trade that happens right here, slave trade as well. Uh, you can just walk by it like you're walking past buying bananas in New York or whatever. Like, it's a stand. Or you can just go in. Uh, please film this, expose it. That'd be amazing. Now, if I film it, expose it, they want to take my head off, you know, the, uh, the Libyan government because it's very bad. But... I can't put it on YouTube, even though it's overwhelmingly good to expose sex trades uh, and slave trades. That's good to be exposed. YouTube won't allow it. They'll demonetize it and then just kick you off the platform. But if I stick that somewhere else, people will be glad they saw that, mm -hmm. and it would it would make waves. You know, because you don't you hear about modern slavery, but you don't actually see any footage of it most of the time. Yeah, yeah. So is that on your list? Everywhere is on my list, from North Sentinel to London, very dangerous places equally. Um, I want to go everywhere in the world. If a war happens, I want to go there, like a real war. Like as soon as Ukraine happened, I was like, screw it, I'm going there. And I did. And when I hear about a place that's so dangerous, they shouldn't go there, like Snake Island. I'm thinking, well, how do I go there? Not, I can't. Like, how? Mm -hmm. do you, yeah. 
Do you uh, have you inspired anybody else to do what you're doing? You think a lot of people DM me going, "Hey, how do I go to Afghanistan?" But the issue is, if you ask me how to go there, I'm this has been very firm and fair, firm but fair. If you tell me if I you ask me how to get to a place, you haven't done enough research to go to that place in general, because no matter what, these countries do have inherent risk from it, like ISIS in general, or even most of Africa does have risk. So if you go there and want to have an adventure, you need to do your own research and reach out to people and be a, bit, a little bit ballsy. So when I went to Afghanistan the first time before I ever traveled outside of Europe, I DM'd random people in Afghanistan and said, hey, um, what's going on there? What's the situation like? What, what's something you should give advice to? And most of them do help you. And it took me like a day or two. I spoke to some embassies, uh, some other stuff, and I got a clear picture and it helped a ton. Now, if they're inspired by me to go somewhere, that's amazing. I'm really happy at that. But I can't help everyone through it because one, that makes me liable a lot of the time if I tell them exactly how to do it and they don't fill in the other piece of the puzzle for themselves. So if I go, oh, here's an invite letter, how to get to Afghanistan. And they go, oh, thanks, bro. And they just pop down and get beheaded because they did something stupid. That's their own fault. But then I would think, well, I facilitated that. But if I basically go, hey, go figure it out yourself. Best of luck to you. If you have some very specialized questions, ask me and I'll be able to hook you up or help. That's fine. Yeah. But I have inspired, I would say, a good 200 people of DM me saying, hey, I want to go to Afghanistan this summer or next week or something. Well, I'm trying to think of like your, like you had that theme of like parkour and then all those people who would go climb the top of skyscrapers and take crazy videos of their legs hanging off. Are you about to incite a similar trend of people your age going around the world, going into these areas and doing it or the barrier to entry due to the balls necessary to do it well if we if 16 year olds could sign up to the military and serve their country and die for their country like you can in england i think america's 18 you right? do it at 16 yeah you kids well you kids 15 and nine months i think oh shit yeah it's 18 yeah. here yeah so yeah, that's fine i think it's like 17 a bit with good pa- uh, parent parent consent well those people could die at 17 18 I think if you put in the effort and work and you go to Afghanistan at 21 to set up, say, uh, I don't know, um, uh, a business, let's say, or something, something. If you do your own research, you understand the risk. That's fine. But for me, I don't have family. So I, I can take on a bit more risk. And I, I would like to think well, I know what I'm doing. And a lot of people don't think I do, but... If I've gone to all these places, you got to think I'm doing something right. It's not complete luck. Yeah, that's one thing you got to think of. If you do want to start a family, your perspective on all yeah. this risk is going to change. But the guy I saw from Norway or the Netherlands was 40, 50 years old. So he's a spy. And spies can be instantly executed by countries. So Iran executes US spies. China does too. If they can do it, I, I definitely can. I think. I but think. Does that man have a family? Yeah. He's got, yeah. I mean, spies do have families. A lot of spies got to have families because then it's it's security for the spy agency. Like, for example, well, this guy has family, he has incentive to come home and not go to the other side. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just a good way of doing things. And plus, if you have a family back home, if you're captured by the same Chinese government, well, well, he's a family man. Like, you know, it le- adds less queerability to the idea that he's a spy. Yeah. So I think a lot of people don't make it out of his industries, but the ones that do, get a lot out of it and there are, are opportunities that come for it from showing the world these countries and having these adventures because I've got a, I've got a million stories for my grandkids one day so it, it does add a lot 
and I can make I've just started making enough money from it to the point where I know if I invest this much a month into a, a into a savings account or sorry into investment account or into Bitcoin or cryptocurrency I can retire by the age of 40 and that's my idea what are your assumptions there for the investment account I return yearly what are you investing equal, in well for one of my investments SP 500 index funds uh, they're fucked I think no no I keep I keep doing analysis on it every single year because I did work investment banking I I do keep up to date on my investments and they're completely passive but if first sign of trouble I have something else to invest in of course and I've got a majority no no sorry not a majority but I would say half in a cryptocurrency and also a lot of Bitcoin in general so I say, okay, so the returns on average are going to be 9.12% compounded. And I figured out, obviously, the laws for uh, long-term investments uh, for tax reasons. And it's going inside my equivalent. It's called, uh, I think it's an ISA. That's why it's called here. For you, it's called, um, what's a fund that you can invest in? It's tax-free. An IRA. IRA. That's why it's called here. Yeah, 401k. The name escapes me, sorry. So I'm thinking, okay, $2,000 a month into these accounts by the time I'm 40, it'll be 2 million. If I take out 5% a year, I can live off that. I'm very happy. And plus, I'll have other assets too, but that's generally the idea for the S&P 500. We can talk about the software, but those are some very strong assumptions you're making. They're good ones though, but... No, the money's fucked. In the long term, yes. But in the short term, that's the idea. And of course, I'm going to adapt it. I'm not going to make the decision for the next 40 years of my life based on assumption of a trend today. You got to read the books I gave you yesterday. So it'll help you change your perspective on it. I will read them. I will read them. But as trends change, like with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin becoming a lot more prominent, the ratios of my portfolio are changing. So back in the day, people used to invest a lot in um, not not just stocks. They would invest in uh, they would invest in uh, other assets that sucked nowadays. And that's why every single few months you reassess your portfolio, look at the numbers, and go, well, the trend is changing. Time to Time to fix things up. Yeah, you have to read the Bitcoin standard because this is what you're describing, all these trends, these 9% compounded returns. My 401k will be a lot. This is all based on a world of fiat. Like this oh, yeah. is all driven by money creation. <laughs> and I'm at the strong belief that that gravy train is stopping some oh, point of course. this decade. I'm just riding it till near the end when I'm jumping well, off. You, you don't know when it's going to end. It can end like that. Well, I know Martin Screlly in general, and he predicted the end of it, roughly. You know, the uh, 2008 financial crisis, he predicted when it's going to pop off. I know people in those worlds where you there will be warning signs in general. But no matter what, until then, I'm They're popping off right now, bro. Yeah, tell Bank me of England had to come in and save your pension funds last two weeks ago. Well, why do you think I've never invested in a pension? I saw that happening two years ago. I was like, pension, stupid idea. Why would you invest in that? Yeah, these, what's happened? These have cascading effects. Oh, but why do you think I'm pulling out of other assets going more into Bitcoin and crypto in general yeah, right now? Good. So it's slowly becoming more of my portfolio. As more I learn, I'm like, okay, well, it makes more sense a little bit more, a little bit more. And I do diversify a little bit. So no matter what, money will be in stocks in general because... When the world when the world goes to crap, people are still gonna buy iPhones. People are still gonna Yeah, it's not a bad assumption. Yeah. There's some things that will work, of course. Yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah. It's all fucked right now though. They fucked up the energy. Oh the energy's screwed. Well, that's why And that's the base yeah. input of everything. Well, when I came back from 
um, Ukraine, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to look for a housing contract for next year, you know, uh, eight, nine months in advance, right? And then I, I went on the website and I filtered exactly by all bills included. So I'm paying £385, which is about $400 a month for my one-bedroom flat in uh, Loughborough in England. So it's not London, it's the outskirts. It's the middle of nowhere, but it has still good uh, infrastructure networks and airport. It, it's perfect for me. And everyone was laughing, oh, Margie Coo got somewhere nicer and cheaper. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And those people who went for nicer and cheaper areas, their monthly payments are about $800 because of the energy bills, right? Did you get your energy bill locked in? Everything's included. I don't have to pay a penny. My internet is 100 megabytes a second. That's included. My heating is on every single night from 6 p.m. to midnight. I put on full blast because I can. And my water's included. I can I can keep a shower running at all time on hot too. And just everything is included in my house, so I know no matter what the risk was worth it. Because I saw back in when the Ukrainian war started, I was like, yeah, it's just screwed. And all my investment banking friends were like, you're right, Miles. We've fought the same thing. We've come to the same consensus. I'm like, okay, well, I think how am I going to save myself from this issue? And then I just buy the cheapest accommodation I can with. All bills included. Yeah. I plus I'm never home anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they renege on that though. No, no, I um, they're already talking about rations, aren't they? Yeah. I mean two fair the British people are still eating like the Germans or above, you know, you've seen our food and if rations start happening, no, no point. No. No, no. I mean, it's like I've got some really clever friends. You might want to jump the border into Mexico tomorrow and just say that. <laughs> Yeah, like wow, I should I should colonize this place because colonization's based in some degree. <laughs> but most people are genius people who go to university and start doing, uh, you know, physics. I did physics and I met some genius people there and engineering too. And you think, well, you've got the brains, but they're working a nine to five job in England for average starting salary after university from taking the equivalent of 4.0 GPA, which is called a first in England from a top five university, which is the one I went to. And they're making 28,000 pounds a year, which is like 30, $32,000 yeah. in engineering and computer science. How's that possible? That's that's how it works. So most people come out with a psychology degree. There's not enough supply, of course, not for psychologists. So most people work at Starbucks or maybe work in receptionists. There's a stat. Oh, they're came, not actually engineers. I was going to say, like, well, yeah. no, they are. That's the average salary for an engineer in England. So most people earn like maybe thirty-two thousand pounds if you get lucky. So that's about thirty-four thousand um, dollars. They're earning not a lot of money. They're doing really badly. And of course, our taxes are higher. Our taxes are higher because we've got to pay for NHS where you've got to wait a uh, 10 months waiting period for an abortion. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke. But things are, ba- things are bad. That's a good joke. Yeah, but things are bad. And I've looked at that and thought, well, you know, this travel thing might not work out for me, but I've got that degree, which cost me nothing, by the way, $1,000. Um, and I've got a different identity legally too. So... If things go really bad for my travels, I can jump ship and work a normal job. But for these first few years, I'm going to take a risk and start a business. And things are working out quite a bit for me because I do love what I do with traveling. And technically, I'm not seen behind a computer a lot of time working. And if I do have to do a, a job, like uh, if I have to do an Excel spreadsheet, it's for myself. And it actually feels meaningful. Like if you're working, if you work an engineering job, 
no matter how far you are into engineering, you're not going to care about the microfractures of a certain material that you're researching for the R&D division of your engineering firm. Yeah. You're not going to be personally attached. You're just a cog. Yeah, exactly. Like, at least back in the 20s, if you were working as an engineer, you knew everything about the building and you knew the boss and you're like, wow, this could be a great building. I'm going to get paid a lot for it. So, you know, nowadays, screw it, no. The only, the only industry in England where the supply of the graduates uh, is less than the actual demand is computer science. Mm-hmm. And most of those people are depressed anyway because they're sitting in, in a computer studio Building dating apps. Yeah, not going outside, building crappy uh, apps with people who don't understand it, matches who are higher up than them, but don't understand the technical side of it. Like, I, I look at my friends, and my friend's doing a PhD. He's only $6,000 a year. $6,000. So he lives for free at the university, but he's not earning a lot. And of course, you know, the future after six years of a PhD and a degree and everything, he won decent money, fair, but he doesn't like what he does. And it's mostly nonsense. And my friends have graduated in engineering. Well, they're earning like higher than average salary. I like $34,000 a year. But it's not good money, is it? And they're not going to retire on, until, on it. Because so I figured out, well, let's say you earn $3,000 a month with a normal job. Well, then it goes down to 2100 after taxes, NHS, all that nonsense. And then no matter what rent, because you'll be renting straight away, is say uh, for one bedroom place, $400. Because you have to live near an area with the jobs, right? So you can't live in the middle of nowhere like I do. Down to 1700 Yeah, 1700 And then uh, food, bills, electricity, all that other stuff will bring it down to 1000 And let's say you want to have a little fun, so you have like some luxuries, like maybe like a car or something. It go, brings it down to like $600. Let's say even $1,000. let us say, let's say you really skimp your money. It's still 1000 if you save a thousand a month and you put into some funds, say with Bitcoin or even, uh, you know, with my S and P five hundred investment, you're not going to retire till you're sixty, and then you've had you haven't lived your life. So, I did the math very early on in twenty eighteen. I was thinking, how do I make this work? And the only way that I can do it was like I need to work in finance. And then then I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm working this, I'm working this job in China, you know, remotely because it's COVID. They invited me to Shanghai, and I was like, well, if I'm earning $100,000 a year starting, it's good, but I'm working 18-hour days, and then you know, I have no, and then I'm spending half it anyway towards taxes, and about 20%, 30% of my income will go towards rent, because you got to live in the central city, because you can't spend one hour commuting a day, because that's one hour you could be working to one-up your competition. Mm-hmm. You will get, you know, associate, uh, the associate role in the next two years. And then you realise you're earning still same amount than you would with a normal person so the same purchasing power you would get with a normal job and I thought uh, <laughs> I had a small depressing moment for like a month and I was like yeah I've got to start my own company or do something in- individual as the uh, TikTok people say I've got to have a side hustle man <laughs> you gotta have a side hustle yeah, I've got grind bro um, you've got to do something a little bit different and if it doesn't work out for me everyone's like wow your life is screwed Miles your, your name is all of these articles I've had loads of investment bankers from firms that I really wanted to get to, but I couldn't before because it's they just filter your CV by a perfection or not. If you didn't go to this private school, you're not getting in. I've had those people message me going, Mars, I love what you're doing. I can give you a reference. I'll give you an interview. And I'm like, if I if I if it doesn't work out, I've got a backup option. And they're like, yeah, bro, we can we can start you on like seventy to eighty k uh, starting like an internship. 
I'm like, well, I can just move to London at any point. If things don't work out, I'm, I'm hopefully fine. I think things are going to work out for you. Yeah. I think they are working out for you. I hope so, yeah. So I'm not comfortable with money at the moment, which, fair enough, it's starting a new business. But I'm getting to that point because I've started saying Taliban merch. That's decent money. So I can pop down there again, get all that stuff in a few days, fly back. You're young. You're only 23. I know, but... I think I think long term, but at the same time, if I can make something happen early on, then I'm happy. I don't like waiting around thinking, well, I've got years, I'm only young. No, you don't have to do that, but you... Yeah. Well, it doesn't reassure me, too, because compounding's the best thing in the world. Yeah, compound interest. Yeah. And you need to I need to get enough capital to compound that money so I am comfortable if something goes wrong. This is why you need to do the Bitcoin paywall deleted scenes. That's what I'm planning on. That's what I'm planning on because I found my footing with my content now. I've got someone who can edit. I've got Lou behind me. I've got you. <laughs> no homo. Uh, <laughs> and we've got roots and I've got products and I've got a million ideas for revenue streams. So, for example, if someone wants their name, some eccentric, nice, well off person wants their name put on the most northern part of the world that's not Antarctica. So if you look at the northernmost part of Canada, there's a there's a military research base for nuclear um, explosions and uh, you know, monitoring of new, uh, radio waves, stuff like that. That area you can't get to unless if you're me, because I, I I know it's possible. And if I get enough money to start going there, and I do, and I place down someone's name on a on a literal stone, a plaque, I can go, hey, your name is here. Your name will outlast the whole Western civilization, pretty much, right? It will be found in a thousand years time, 10,000 years time, maybe. And someone will be very happy to see that. And someone with more money than than, uh, than they care for will go, yeah, I'll pay you X, Y, Z amount to put my name there. You put in genuine effort. You've walked for 30 days in Antarctica, risking bear attacks and frostbite and all this stuff. And you've carried this little bolt on your back like Sisyphus. Thank you, I'll pay you this much and now cover my trip. And then maybe the YouTube ad revenue will be more than enough for a nice little hearty profit because all I need is $2,000 a month and then I'm happy I can do anything for $2,000 a month and then I know by the time I'm 40 I'll be able to retire I, th- I don't think you're going to be able to retire on $2,000 a month but oh no but if it compounds let's say that turns into two, three million dollars, and then I can take out 5% a year of whatever future asset there is, and then I can live off that. And of course, with the money that's compounding, I'll buy, say, a house, and then with the house, I'll live in it. The mortgage is, say, $500 a month in the middle of nowhere in England. You just want cash flowing businesses, which you're starting right now. Yes, exactly. Uh, say, a house- That's the best investment strategy. Exactly, yeah. House, $500 a month of a mortgage, and then renovations cost 10000 Well, now the house is worth a ton more because I bought an ugly grandma's house. And then I'll take the money out, go to the bank and go, hey, can I use this equity for another deposit for another house, start a, start a real estate investment company. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah. do that. Real estate's a shitcoin. I'm just going to keep trying in general. I'm going to have a little piece of my pie in everything, but one thing will be for my, jo- my, my majority. Because no matter what, I want to own a house. I don't want to rent because at the end of the day, if something goes really bad, I don't want to become homeless again because at one point I was homeless for three months and that sucked. Like I was on the streets homeless, like, you know, 
wasting away. You were homeless in New York this week. I was homeless in New York. That was lovely. You know, <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad. I ate some Chick-fil-A um, left behind in a bin and I ate half a taco yeah. left behind on a table in Taco Bell. Oh, you sicko. It, it beats fresh food. And plus we could have lunch after this, so we'll, we'll find somewhere better. Yeah. But it saves some money on the rent at least. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I would rather, I'd rather eat leftover tacos and live homeless in New York than pay $4,000 for an apartment in the city. Like, screw that. It would feel like I'm burning a hole inside myself. Yeah. You're a fascinating individual, Lord Miles. The mind of a schizophrenic retard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Thank an, you. an adventure. An adventure. Honestly, you're venturing into a different world, too. Like, yeah. for me, it's physical locations where I might get bombed. You're venturing into the world of the very, very... You're venturing into the world where the finances control everything and you're tapping into the very bloodstream of the world, the thing that makes the thing go go round. I'm going to drag you into it, whether you like it or not. I think I'm going to walk with you by side. Okay, good. Yeah. We're going to... Good things are going to happen this decade. Again, I'm optimistic. Same. I think we're going to peacefully get out of this. You're going to go travel the world, get some crazy content. Yeah, not bring, get beheaded. Yeah. Please don't get beheaded. Don't get bitten by the snakes. I don't know why. Snake Island's the one that scares me the most. I don't think you should do that. No, but. it's fine. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like snakes can't bite through snake-proof pants. Like, there they are snake-proof pants in the world for people who work around snakes in general. I buy that. I, I So I cover myself in this... Um, this leather, this leather armor. And maybe I have two layers on when I have a... When I I have never, none of these snake people have been to Snake Island. Well, there have been a few researchers that have gone. And have you, you have contacted any of them? No, they're nerdy people. You know, I told you about the institutional people who you know, uh, get into university to yeah. have as much power. And plus, they don't speak English. They speak Spanish. They're Spanish researchers from Brazil. And there have been a few people who have gone there individually. They've died because they've just gone like their birthday suit pretty much uh snake buys them whatever but if there's nothing if i have this entire snake proof armor i have thick boots that a snake can't bite through that's fine if i have a pants that cover my entire body that's fine and then i put on a suit of armor that's another layer snakes can't bite through metal no snake can and if i have a machete with me if a large snake starts wrapping around me yeah i can, I can kill it hack it and then if my face is covered by this armor and then my little eye slits i put um Instead of having like the ice days, I'm gonna have a piece of PVC plastic which they can't buy through. That's why snakes are enclosed in plastic and glass. I'll put that on the slit. So then every part of me is covered. I'll basically be like a retarded, low budget beta Iron Man. Right? <laughs> and I walk around with Snake Island, like, yeah, this is what the British people did in the eighteen hundreds. Why can't I do it? Where well, I have more advanced technology. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not LARPing if I'm actually doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm following in my ancestors' footsteps. It's LARP if I just talk about it, but I've been to these places and I talk about some crazy places that most people think, well, he's not going to do it. Well, I'm working on it, but everything holding me back is resources and money and connections. It's going to work someday. And how can we help out there? Uh, Anybody listening? Well, if anyone's listening who wants their name put on a plaque somewhere, say in the most northern areas of the world or in the mountains of Afghanistan, or wants their name shouted out by the Taliban, because I can go to the Taliban and go, hey, here's this amount of money. Um, can you say on camera this person's name and give a message to them, like a like a crazy birthday message? Yeah, I can do that. And maybe... <laughs> you're, too, yeah. you're doing you're doing cameo for the do, Taliban. Yeah, now. I can do... I, I, I message them. I've got their group chats. They're like, they use emojis like normal people. They actually put hey with five Ys and the heart emoji. They, 
bad kind to me and they seem like decent people uh, you know obviously if it's bad people but these people are fine and i can i can work with them like why not it's legal there's no sanctions it's actually kind of ethical because you know if they're not i'm not funding anything dodgy i'm just funding some impoverished people trying to extend an olive branch yeah yeah basically i mean that's i mean people are gonna listen to this and be like why the fuck are you having this kid on thank you he's talking with the fal- taliban like terrorist supporter so is your government yeah <laughs> it's fine i'm i mean i'm just uh, i i see a kid i like the way you do it you try to humanize you don't have to yeah. agree with yeah i don't agree with them but i'm still gonna hang out with them jesus did the same thing he hung out with sinners like i'm not comparing myself to jesus but you gotta compare yourself to do the teachings and following his footsteps you know you gotta do some stuff it's not clear but you know there's there's a way of going about it if I see, I like a lot of times I see a kid there and he's searching through trash and burning trash for the precious metals, say a little bit of aluminium, a little bit of gold, and he's inhaling this stuff. He hasn't got shoes on, so he's combing himself up. He's, you know, I'll buy him some equivalent of KFC there. And his eyes widen, he's beyond thankful. He starts shaking my hand and he, he tries to invite me to his place. I'm like, no, kid, just take it, please, please. But if you give a Western kid a new iPhone, I'm like, oh, it's not the newest iPhone. <laughs> like, come on. And I do help my people at home, like in England, but, you know, you don't talk about it a lot of the time. The only reason I talk about charity work is so people can see what I'm doing and then donate more money to me so I can do more charity work. I'm not doing it as a brag for myself. I don't want anything from it. It's just, it feels like a more obligation to give something to these people because you see them suffering. You go, well, my hotel's $50 a night and if his monthly salary is $50 from burning trash, you know, I'm not making money myself. Like for a whole year, I made no money. And that's, you know, for this year, I've made no money pretty much. I don't mind giving a little bit of money to these people. And they generally seem happy about it. It works out. And, you know, I'm not going to solve the entire poverty issue in the world. But, you know, this guy's happy. Why not? You know, no need to be pessimistic about it. I can help people. Because yeah. you look at me, I'm not I'm not starving. I've had my eyebrows done. <laughs> like, What? Trust me, if you don't, I get a monobrow. Straight up, I look like Bigfoot. Yeah, you get a yeah, yeah. A but, unibrow. Yeah, but this kid's happy if he if he gets like shoes that don't have a hole in, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, you know, a lot of people are starving. Why can't I give them food? Yeah, and I, I'm very good at judging people if they're good people. And a lot of Africans would ask for food. I'm looking at him. I'm like, no, this guy's doing fine. He's just he's just grifting, you know. Yeah, yeah. And if I say something on Twitter like, hey, I'm going to do this i will do it and if it doesn't work out which has happened once i tell give people an explanation and i've shown on camera me giving away money and i give a cost breakdown of everything and it works out at the end and i think that's why i've got a good fan base because they want genuine people and there's a lot of people online who lie a lot and i try and be as genuine as i can i try and make as few mistakes as i can and if something messes up i give an honest feedback and i'm not i'm not anywhere with uh money i'm not making a ton i'm making two thousand dollars a month just recently two months ago i've just started doing that because i started saying taliban merch which i'm thankful for so if there's anyone at home who wants me to go to a crazy location and do something eccentric for them say um i don't know a thousand to five thousand to ten thousand dollars to put their name in a, a plaque and stick it somewhere i would do that for them it would outlive them and pretty much most of their bloodline um if they want me to go to an exotic location like the Darien Gap and get a skull of someone on a pike and stick it in a, a box that's collectible, I can get those one-off things. <laughs> like I managed to find an old 200-year-old Islamic globe in a market in Afghanistan. I can get them that globe and you can't get by that in anywhere. I can get them that stuff for a fraction of the price you would get from, say, a fancy uh, antique store in London. 
And of course, you know, you'll see me getting it. You know, you can verify I did go to Afghanistan. I showed you all the visas. I showed you the flights. I always get one person messing me or commenting saying, oh, you're not actually there. I, I dox myself on purpose so I can show these people I am there. And I take photos with a Taliban. I make videos and there's no denying it. So you can guarantee I'm there on the ground risking my life in a country that's unknown to me to get some stuff for a fraction of the money. And I could work a normal job and maybe earn extra 2000 a month, but I'm not taking on this risk. So I'm hoping one day it does grow up. You don't seem like a man who's destined for a quote-unquote normal job. There's something beautiful about a normal life and normal job. No, there certainly is. But but I'm picking this path for now and we'll see how it goes. But I'm hoping it's going to go very well. Ride it. You're young. Thanks, Explore. You. Thank you. I will literally You're going to find it much harder once you have children. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I might take one of them to Syria or something just to spice it up a little bit. Your wife's not going to like that. Oh, no. My, my, my girlfriend at the moment, hopefully a wife one day, um, you know, we're seeing how it goes, hopefully. Yeah. That's why you date to marry. She wanted to come to Ukraine with me. That's how we met. She's my oh, best she friend's did. cousin. I stayed at her house um, because they live in Poland and she studied in England for eight years. Beautiful girl. Oh, I don't doubt she wanted to go. But as soon as you have children, you look at it. It's so delicate. So. Oh, yeah. But I think when he gets to, if I have a guy, you know, if I have a boy, he gets to 14 years old, I've got to make him a man somehow. He's going to go to the gym with me. And I'm going to slowly expose him to something a little bit more dangerous. So I'm not going to throw him in the walls straight away, but... I'm you start good. earlier than that. Yeah. Get them skateboarding, get them dirt biking. Yeah, exactly. Maybe skydiving. Get you know, you can get a uh, level ten diploma in skydiving. Maybe he wants to sign up for military or power to him. Maybe I can show him how certain things work. Because I didn't have a father. I I know dad. I'm an IVF kid, so nothing like that. My family is very messed up. My mother and five aunties, which is my entire family, all alcoholic deadbeats who have no jobs and no husbands and. But one of them does have a husband, a terrible person. They're well off, but no. Husband died, so she's a mess. They're all like 50, 60 years old. They've done nothing with their life. I, I just looked at that and I was like, I've got to be honest with myself. I don't want to become anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem like you are. So. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, one of them had a receding hairline, so I guess. I <laughs> 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 but I, if someone DMs me and goes, hey, for this amount of money, I want you to go to Afghanistan or anywhere in Africa and find me something like this. I don't think you're going to need to do that. I think you're going to be successful enough where you don't need to basically get people to pay you to do weird things. You're going to well, you're going to get a revenue stream and you're going to be able to do whatever the fuck you want. Thank you, but the big donors would make a big difference. So if you're out there and have like a small chunk of change and want me to get something specific from a certain country, I can do it. I can go to every single country, get a visa for every single country within seven days right now. Because what I did, I was autistic. I went through every single list of UN recognized country and non-recognized country. And then I went on all their websites that offer e-visas and signed out the entire form, got to the end where it says submit and then click cancel. And then I went through that. And then every single one that requires an in-person visa, I've put a created a document with links to every single booking site for those embassies. And then I've filled out every single in-paper document that require a physical photo and all that stuff. So I know I can click the word submit or book and I can go to an embassy or book online and get a visa within seven days. And that's how I always go to a war zone that requires a complex visa within seven days. The only place I can't go to right now is North Korea because it's closed down to the outsiders, even though I know I can go there for business, but that will cause issues with my home currency country or Libya because that's too expensive okay he's going to Mexico yeah. tomorrow 
yeah, pretty much. Well, to the border, to view the river that separates Texas from Mexico and then filming the illegals there and the border guards seeing how dodgy it is because the U.S. doesn't have an immigration issue. It does. Yeah, I was going to say, if you can turn this content around quickly, it could be very interesting around midterms because this is obviously a very charged topic. Exactly. Because I can get news out quicker than actual news sites because yeah. they have a... They have um, a risk assessment that we have to do first. We you get to. actual news out. Yeah, real news. I I just won't lie. Like, if I go to a country I don't like or a situation I don't like, I'll be honest. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not going to lie to my audience. Like, yeah. That's the worst thing I could do. You just like, be upfront with your th- Yeah, your I views. would. If I ever lied to someone purposefully, like my, purposefully, like my audience, I would have sleepless nights. I would feel terrible. I would admit it, but that's why I don't lie in general. Everyone has a small urge to lie, but I just, I just don't. I have a natural aversion to lie. Lying, I can't do it. I'm the worst liar in the world. Yes, you can ask my wife. You can ask my mom. You can ask anybody. Yeah. The only reason I would lie is if my life is in danger, like for example, Kenyan intelligence and all that stuff. I mean, yes, that's a good lie. Yeah, yeah. I've lied to get into VIP sections at music festivals. Yeah. When I wasn't Christian, I was a very atheist, you know, one of those relatives, and I would lie a ton. And it got me into places, but I was like, yeah, this isn't good. Yeah, because they build up, and then you got to unwind it. It's not worth it. Well, it's really easy to keep a story sometimes, but you will slip up once. Yeah. We've been here for almost three hours. Really? Yeah. Where are we at? What time? Yeah, it's 2.45. Oh, we should get some food. Yeah, let's go get some barbecue. Oh, Texas barbecue is amazing. British food just soy slop, honestly. Yeah, we're gonna get you some good beef. Oh, good stuff. Uh, where can where can the freaks find? Obviously, we're gonna link to everything. Thank you. You're doing just but. search Lord Miles Miles spelled with an I on Twitter or Instagram or YouTube, and you'll come across some cool stuff. There's a video of me shooting with the Taliban. So I go into a market, I find some U.S. weapons. I meet with the biggest weapons dealer in Afghanistan who was wanted by the U.S. or was wanted, and I go shoot guns with them. And that's an excellent video, one million views. So I think it has good merit to go watch. Or you can just search my name on Google and come across some interesting articles by the mainstream. If the mainstream hates me, you know I'm doing something right. So you can read those and have a funny laugh to yourself. Or just look at my Twitter. I'm a bit obsessed with social media, so I'm just always on it. And yeah, I'm terminally online, but it's my job, so whatever. But (laughs) search me up. You'll find some interesting stuff. And I'll announce when I'm going to a new country. Next, I'm going on Timcast 2 in a few days. That'll be fun to watch. And DM me. I try and reply to as many DMs as I can. And we can try and interact. And if you're trying try and help my adventures, I can I can go to any country within reason. That would make sense. Just DM me and maybe we can make something happen. Hell yeah. And any advice for any of the younger Zoomer freaks out there? Mm. I think if you're in the US or Europe... Go to some exotic country. Like if you want a taste of North Africa, Tunisia. That's a nice place to dip your foot in. And when the war of Ukraine is over, go to Ukraine. It's actually very cheap. It's lovely. The food's amazing there. It's actually quite, it's so cheap to go there. Or maybe travel somewhere in Asia. Maybe maybe China, maybe South Korea. Dip your feet in Vietnam maybe. And then, then from there, take a step back, reassess and find a more risky country because it will become addictive and you can make some money off it. Maybe you're somewhat of an entrepreneur, you want to sell something, talk to some people in those countries and make some deals. Because it can work. Like, I've talked to the, uh, I've talked to the government in, in, uh, what's it called? Uh, Afghanistan, the Taliban government, and it's not as scary as you think, you know, just, they're humans, they could be reasoned with, they could be talked to, 
are just like you. Worth a shot. Worst comes to worst, you have to go home and they say no. Just take a little risk in your life because the risk brings meaning and worst comes to worst, you have an amazing story to tell your grandchildren and the best thing that happens, you get uh, a great experience and some money out of it. So have some adventure. Peace and love, freaks. Love you guys. God bless. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.